Hello, my good people. Thanks for taking the time to join me today on The Lamar Show. Today's a good one. Nick Raphael is the president of Capitol Records. He signed me back in the day. We did five albums together. He also signed Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt. He signed JLS, Scouting for Girls, Paloma Faith, Sam Smith. So he sold quite a few records, millions and millions and millions of records. If you want to get into the music industry, if you want to do A&R, if you want to run a label, if you just want to know about self-determination and drive, this is the episode for you. I found it extremely entertaining. Enjoy. Thanks, Nick, for, for jumping on this. No problem. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you just said you can hear your, yourself in your ears and that's weird. Yeah. I've never been in a situation ever in a studio where I've had to put headphones on and sing or speak at the same time. Uh, well, I speak? No, never. I've done some headphones p- on and da, da, da. podcasts, but normally. You've done some podcasts? I've done podcasts. I did Ren Man live, which is a video. Ren Man, okay. So if you look it up, I really enjoyed that. It was in America. Yeah. I did a thing with Joe with A&R Worldwide with Bob Ledvets. I always say his name wrong, who's yeah. one of the most famous podcasters and, and music critics in the world. Yeah. I think he put it up online somewhere. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I don't mind doing them. It's just yeah. I'm not used to the headphones. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been, I've done radio <laughs> interviews. When I, before I was an A&R guy, yeah. I was a DJ and a recording artist. Oh, yeah. You see, that's where I was going to start, though, <laughs> okay. because obviously I know a bit of your story, <laughs> but... The reason I wanted to do this is I think it would be kind of a, a unique angle, a unique perspective, you know, an artist. We've done a lot of work together over the years and um, uh, you were directing a lot of that. You've told me this before, but I've always been like really interested in how you got into what it is that you do, into yeah. the whole air and I think usually the person outside is trying to get signed to these people who exist, yeah. the A&R people. Yeah. But you never really know, okay, well, how did, how did that happen? For me... It was a very weird thing. I loved music. Yeah. I never intended to work in music, ever. Ever? Not intentionally, no. What did you want to do then? Play professional football. Football? I was going to be a football player. Really? We grew up in North London. Yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up in Winchmore Hill, Palmer's Green. Yeah. Uh, like you, I'm a Spurs fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, good man, good man. That's the I, real reason we still talk. I mean, another reason. You know. <laughs> I wanted to play, the dream was to play for Spurs. Um, they were not interested in me. Do you feel that you're good enough? Well, I played for Arsenal as a schoolboy, which oh, was... Oh, you were good. Yeah, I was good. I was the county, I was county player, captain Southern Schools. I was at Bradford as a professional. Jeez. Senior for eight months. Uh, with the view that I was going to sign a full-time contract. When the full-time contract came, I'd spent eight months training with the reserves and playing a bit with the first team in training. And I realized I wasn't going to make the grade. There were two guys in the team with me who later became very successful professionals, Phil Babb and unfortunately Dean Richards, who passed away. Phil Babb played for Liverpool, Dean Richards played for Tottenham and for uh, Southampton and played for England. I think Phil Babb played for Ireland on numerous occasions. They were in the same team I was in. And what became clear to me was my parents wanted me to stay in education. We had this conversation before. I'm from a Jewish background. You're from a Nigerian background. Yeah. I think the parental pressures of doctor, lawyer, oh, wow. accountant Overwhelming. are the same. Are the same. <laughs> uh, my parents wanted me to get a degree and I was going to do economics. And my parents were very pleased if I would continue that and do that. And 
I wanted to be a professional football player. I got offered to go to Leeds on trial and go to Bradford on trial with a view to deciding within six months whether they wanted to keep me or not. I went to Bradford. Leeds were the t- later won the pre-premiership. They won the league oh, wow. in the first yeah. division then yeah, yeah. before it became premiership within a year or two years of me getting to Leeds. That's how good they were. So I was like, oh, I'll go to Bradford. Bradford were in the division below. I thought that would give me a greater chance. Yeah. When I got to Bradford, very nice people, other than the manager who wasn't very nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the manager just, it just was a tough, tough cookie. Yeah. And he said to me after six months, listen, we'll give you a contract, but you've got to leave university. I was like, we mean got to leave university. No, yeah. no, Steve Highway, Graham Lefso, these other famous players, they've done university and played football. Yeah. Let me do the same. I've been every day to training. I never miss training. I've been available for any match you wanted me available for. Why would I need... Why would anyone want me to be... To give up uni to... Yeah, give up uni, yeah. And also, it's, a, it's only an, a, an opportunity. It's not a guarantee. So, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Well, go back to you. I remember yeah. we had this discussion that yeah. you were working in a bank. Yeah. You'd already told your parents you'd tried, you'd been signed, you got dropped. Yeah, and I was going to go and do uh, pharmacy. That's what I was going yeah. to go and study. Do and university. Then... And then you thought, well, didn't you... Is it true? Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You went into the canteen and you saw... Or we went into yes. the back and you saw an advert... Yeah. And, and you said, I'll give it one last one last shot. And the only reason is because I'd just been on tour with um, with Trevor Nelson. Yeah. And they used his voice to do the thing. And I thought, oh, and that's why I turned around. Yeah. And then I saw the advert and I thought, you know what? Just one last try. And 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 that's where I am that's today. That's how yeah. we ended up meeting each other yeah, through yeah, exactly. that process. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I also, heart of hearts, I'm a, the, the, the wonderful thing about doing A&R and the horrible thing is, you're self-critical all the time because yep. you're very critical of others. And to be critical of others, you're very self-critical. Yeah. And when you're self-critical, you have a real sense. And sometimes I over-exaggerate how good I am and over-exaggerate how bad I am. And there's a very there's a saying that Lucian Grange, who's the head of Universal, who's the worldwide head, regularly says to his executives, you're never as hot as you think you are and never as cold as you think you are. Yeah. When the football didn't work out, I started making pizzas in Leeds because that's where I was at university. And I was working in pizza places for like whatever the minimum wage is as a pizza chef. And in London, when I was 16, we had a school thing called Business Enterprise. I put on a night at Camden Dingwalls for one night. Okay. So this is, this is where the little bit of marketing exaggeration comes in. <laughs> and I'm telling you the true version is I put a night on with my school friends and it was very, very successful. For one night, 1987, I was 16 years old. Illegal for me to do it, but I'd put it on. We made coach loads of kids. We collected them and took them to the club. My friend from- Tom, All 16. All 16. A friend for who used to work for my dad called Tony Leroy White had a record collection. He DJed, I DJed with him, and we DJed in that club that one night. Nice. We sold the club out. I made a load of money. My friends made a load of money and then we won the business enterprise for Hertfordshire for making the most money. Oh, brilliant. Because everyone else was making t-shirts or pencil cases. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing a nightclub. You put on a full on, a full on, full on night. night. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone 16 wanted to go to nightclub and we got them into nightclub on yeah. a Tuesday night or whatever <laughs> it was. When I got to Leeds and I was making pizzas, I have to every now and then go back to London for family events and I get the train. And I was coming back one day and a friend of mine was going to pick me up from next to the station. And there's a hotel called a Queen's Hotel. And next to the hotel, there's a nightclub. And it said, when I was standing by the pillar, yeah. it said applied for a license, which means okay. it was a nightclub that wasn't open. 
It's yeah. a derelict nightclub. Someone had applied for a license, which meant they were going to open it. And it has their telephone number on the application. Okay. <laughs> so I just wrote the number down and I called the guy called Vincent. And he said to me, he had a strong Yorkshire accent. He said, do you know anything about nightclubs, son? I said, <laughs> I said yeah. I used to run one in London. <laughs> I used to run one? <laughs> I did one night, yeah. <laughs> I was exaggerating. You should have been in marketing for real. <laughs> exactly. And he said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Do you want to meet me and my partner, uh, Nicole? I said, yeah. So I but met- didn't he, like, when you phoned him, did he say, why are you calling me? Yeah, I said, yeah. I said, I, said, I see you opening the nightclub, okay, the right, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know if you need any help, if you want anyone to get yeah. involved. And he said to me, all right, meet me and my partner. So I went and met them. How old were they? Uh, Nico was probably five years older than me, six years older than me. And the other guy was a lot, probably 10 or 12 years older. And he lost his leg in a, in a lift accident because he used to be a lift engineer and he used the compensation money to buy the nightclub. And, <laughs> and the other guy had various businesses, let's say. Right? Oh, right, right. He was an interesting character. He was funding it. And the pair of them were funding it. And so they said to me, all right, mate, well, in my terrible Yorkshire accent, we're going we're to set this nightclub up and you're going to put it together. You're in charge. So next thing I know, I'm at university, but I'm full time putting the refurbishment together, the lights, the sound system, choosing what the nights are going to be. Oh, man. Organizing. I mean, organize everything. Every oh. single thing you can think of other than the brewery deal, because all, yeah. all nightclubs have brewery deals or did in those days. Yeah. I dealt with everything. The club opened and we did Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. And from day one, it was sold out. Wow. And I was booking DJs from London who I knew. Some of the people remain successful and famous and you'll know some of the things that did. The guy that started Cream used to come. Okay. Uh, James Barton with Andy Carroll and DJ there. And the club turned out to be really quickly a success. Um, So your partners liked you then? They were the bosses. Oh, the bosses liked you. Right, they were bosses like me. And I was like, oh, this is so much more fun than making pizzas. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, and also it was during the rave time. So I was into, remember I'd been a good boy most of my life because I'd been a football player and an athlete. Oh yeah, that I takes a lot of this. I've got, I've got a yeah. little boy, man. Jeez, that takes a lot of. Hard. Yeah, hard. Parents got, a, I mean, they've got to ship you around as well. And yeah. if you don't want it, you're not going to get it. Like it's, 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 you've got to be disciplined. But for me as a teenager, I didn't take a lot of drugs and I didn't drink a lot yeah. because yeah. I had to be, together on a Saturday and a yeah, Sunday yeah. and a Wednesday and yeah, yeah. played a week. I like the way you say it a lot. <laughs> no, I took bits. No, no, no. I smoked, I smoked weed with my friend Elliot, yeah, who yeah. now film director and thing and lives in LA, who yeah. I always see. And it's funny because I remember smoking weed with him thinking we'd been so naughty. And then- <laughs> Living on the edge. Yeah, yeah we, we were pretty crazy. We are in Wembley in the park smoking weed and oh, no yeah. one's going to catch us. The minute I stopped playing professional football, yeah. ecstasy was the big thing. Yeah, I'd taken it once before in London and yeah. all of a sudden I was in clubs taking ecstasy in Leeds, and then traveling around all over, while I was working in Pizza Place, at the weekends, traveling to Nottingham, to Venus. Oh, this is in the pizza place, not in the club. This so before, but, before the club. Before bit. the club. Just all before right, the club. Right, yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized, every time I was queuing up, getting wet to get in the clubs, I'd always see this guy come in with a hot girl, and that'd be the DJ. And I was like, right. shit, I should go back to doing some DJ. Then, <laughs> then I You're like, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Be- <laughs> I, why am I queuing? Yeah. Then, then the next guy I'd see come in or would be walking out in the queue with the hottest girlfriend was this other person. I said, what does he do? So he's a promoter. 
It's like, shit, what does he do? He promotes the night. He books a DJ. He gets everyone in. He thinks of the name. He thinks of the concept. I'm like, that's the job I need. That's the idea. So when I applied through the, seeing the license, I now like, oh, I could be the promoter. They always have the best looking girlfriends. <laughs> so I became the promoter. Yeah. Did it work for my sex life for a teen? Like now I was like early 20s, whatever, or 20. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't queuing. Yeah. <laughs> You had a hot girl. <laughs> had a, well, I, I hadn't met Amanda, but I was having yeah. numerous hot girlfriends yeah, yeah. and I was having the time of my life yeah. and I was doing my degree. But the problem, And you were doing a degree. Yeah, did you feel, See, that's still a good boy. Yeah, Keeping the degree. parents no, off no, your I, back. Exactly. Trying, exactly. <laughs> parents off your do. back. Exactly. Like, do not want to get that phone call. Uh, and then shit at the club got messy. Not with me personally, yeah. but... Their other businesses and other lifestyles yeah. started crossing over. Started crossing over, and I got very nervous because I was very young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you thought it's probably better to move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a rival club had asked me. They own three venues. It was called the Galleries, and a guy called Paul Lamont owned it, who unfortunately passed away since then. Yeah. And he said, "Please come and work for me. I'll match whatever they're paying you." Again, they all pay me a similar sort of money. Very good money. Oh. I cannot cannot exaggerate how much money. I mean, I was making pizzas and doing ridiculous number of shifts and I made three times as much, if not more. By partying. By partying. <laughs> a bit, but, of a, but, bit of organising as well. But, but I, was, I was the organiser. All week long, I got it already. And yeah. on the night, even if I partied a bit, I partied with, in the time that club was on to a small level. Okay. The minute the club finished, I went into crazy mode. Because it's like yeah. being an artist. Yeah, yeah the real party the minute, is the after The minute, party. Show, the minute <laughs> yeah. show's finished, yeah. Yeah, yeah, then the artist is playing. Yeah, Beforehand, yeah. everyone else is having drinks and the thing, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm getting my Got to be careful, get work, yeah, got to yeah, put exactly. a good show. I, got, I, I can't be drunk on stage. Yeah, yeah. But the minute it finished, Done. everything was counted up. The money was in the safe. The money had gone to the, you know, the overnight bank thing. With everything being done, I didn't have to lock up. Yeah, Someone yeah. else was responsible for that. They're like, everyone happy? Yeah, Nick. Go. So I went. That yeah. minute was like jump in a taxi, wherever the party was. I arrived. Yeah, right. Fill me full of whatever's going to make it go crazy yeah. and do all my crazy stuff and try and have all my fun with everyone yeah. there. So then I did that. And then through that, I met people who were club promotions people from, from record companies. And I met people who were DJs who ran record companies like Pete Tong and those sort of people. Okay. And then I met people like Andy Thompson, who's at London Records as well, and Gene Branch and... I knew all the mix mag people and all the DJ people and all these sort of people. Yeah. I became immersed in the scene. Yeah. And I was like, this is great fun. I'm really enjoying it. And my <laughs> mum's like, yeah, enjoy yourself. And it's great that you're making money at university. Don't forget to do your exams, yeah. but please get a real job. Yeah. By 2001, when I was the youngest ever managing director of a record company at that time, which was at Epic Records, for the first time ever, my mum went, at last you've got a real job. Uh, <laughs> I was like, by the way, from 1994, I ended up working in a record company, which we'll get back to in a minute. Yeah. And I was earning a fortune being a club promoter. I mean, and, and later on, I went to becoming a DJ because I decided that it was cheaper to get me to DJ than pay a DJ. Okay. Right. So there's the business side of me. Yeah. Maybe someone said they also did. So, so, it was, so it was more cost effective being the DJ than the promoter? No, no, no. I was the promoter. Yeah. But I'd have to hire DJs. Oh, you were the promoter and the DJ. So so then what happened was I realized <laughs> the first couple of hours of the night when people are coming in, 
I'm paying someone at the time, I can't remember what it was, like, I don't know, I'm paying him 150 quid. I was collecting records. I love music. And by the way, once the doors open, the promoter is just sort of wandering around. Job's done, really. You're, job you're done. promoting the event there. Yeah. People are there. What People you are there. there to do, yeah. So I was like, well, I might as well DJ myself. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to charge myself any money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or can I add it onto my salary? So I'd say to the guy who owned the club, I'll DJ, instead of paying £100, I'll do it for £50. Yeah. He's like, cool. Fine. We say £50, another £50 he makes, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's like, yeah, go on then, you DJ. So I started to DJ at the club. And I became famous with my partner, Paul, at the time, the guy I was DJing with, as a DJ. So I was famous DJ, running a really successful club. And I started doing remixes. We made videos for record companies. Every record company. For a record me. company? Yeah. So I made a video for a band called Card on AMM. We made. So how did that come in? Like what? Because uh, everyone knew us and yeah. we had this whole scene around us of creative people in Leeds. Okay. And there was a load of bands in Leeds. So there was like The Mission. These are like goth bands, yeah. and indie bands. Yeah. They're all around us. And they wanted a video and they said. Oh, then, then they said the record company, oh, we should make a video. Uh, we, we go to this cool club on Friday nights. Okay. And we'll do a video. And what they did is shop footage of everyone dancing. We either get there early or late. And we he'd lip sync the performance with everyone in the club dressed. Yeah. And then he'd come and party the rest of the night. <laughs> but we were is. shooting everyone partying. Okay. And it's part of It that. looks like that's the video. But yeah, yeah. for the first hour, just him singing with everyone there. Yeah. He did like how many takes in an hour. The song's yeah. only three minutes yeah, long. Let's nothing, say he does yeah. 10 takes. Yeah, yeah, so he's got yeah. enough for different angles. And then the rest of it was just the club scene, cutaways, yeah. club scene. A real club scene. A as real well, club not, scene, uh, yeah. And then we told everyone on the night that we did that video, it's fancy dress. Everyone come fancy dress. <laughs> so it was like really crazy. That video is for a song called Purple Love Balloon. You'll still find it. Purple Love Balloon. Yeah, that's the right. first ever video I made. So I made videos. We produced some records. We'd remix some records because everyone's making records for the clubs. Yeah. And Paul used to be in a band, my DJ partner, and he had a friend called, we called Beepus, Big Paul, because it's Little Paul and Big Paul. Little Paul's my size. Big Paul's a lot bigger than us. And uh, Little Paul and I used to DJ and Big Paul used to drive us to gigs and Big Paul used to program and Little Paul could sing, but we didn't make songs. We sampled things. We had singers come in. Yeah. We'd make records. So I was making records. I was licensing records. I was producing records. I was running clubs. Nice. I was doing all this stuff. Kind of prep for what you totally. ultimately ended up doing, really. Totally. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and to be honest, None of it was like, oh, I've got a mission. This is what I'm going to do. It's just like, well, yeah, you're a DJ. Oh, you should make some music so you can play yourself. Yeah. Because I'll just like, I'll play some original stuff no one's ever heard. Yeah. Basically, it was just messing about. But, nice. but by the way, everyone had experience. So like, I had experience in nightclubs, very little, obviously, but grown more and more yeah. and more in this period. Paul had been in a band called Bazooka Joe and Play Against Sam that I had yeah. nothing to do with, but had been in the band. So he was always like, let's go in the studio and make a record. Okay. I was like, okay. Why how, not? Like, yeah, why why not? not? How yeah. much does that cost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all I cared about. How much does it cost? Yeah. You always had a money head. That economics was always head. in there. That's good. Yeah. And also my parents have both had their own businesses. So that was okay. normal behavior for me. Economics. So like, they need to teach that in school, like as a standard subject. A hundred percent. They really do. So it's no. unbelievable. Yeah. Why did they not teach in school to boys and girls yep. how to cook basic meals? Yeah. Right? How to... Iron your clothes. Yeah. How to wash your clothes. Yeah. And how, how to save and spend money. It's about how to save and spend money. How to go, if you get, if your job says you're being paid £10,000 a year, you will not be given £10,000 a year because yeah. you got tax yeah. and you got this. Yeah. And then you got to make sure you pay your rent. And yeah. then you got to make and, sure. And then you still got to put money away just in case something else. Because you might not money. have a job for six months because yeah, it might be COVID. 
But you furlough might not last forever. Yeah. So yeah. none. Anyway, so there's loads of. But I was yeah. just doing this shit like this the whole time, yeah. and every record company was calling me saying, "Come and do A and R. Come and do marketing. You were just come off the bat getting calls. Like because, you yeah, come because in. everyone because the club was getting more and more famous. And then okay. we left. Unfortunately, Paul died. Uh, Lamont, not Paul, my DJ partner, Paul Lamont. At that time? Uh, at that time. Oh, no, that's not cool. His brother, who took over the club, his bro- he died of a drug overdose. He blamed everyone who worked with him for letting him get to that stage. Oh. So he's unfortunately died. He was friends with Peter Stringfellow back in the day. He was like an older club okay. guy. Yep. Peter Stringfellow had come from Sheffield and Leeds and that way. So he was part of that old school club thing. Yep. And then he basically, Rave had come along, gone from ecstasy to cocaine to crack. I mean, it's just, yeah. it was the it was full spiral. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we had no venue. Don't even laugh at this. I ended up going back to that mad venue that I started in. Where my, you put the one night? Where, no, 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 not the one night. The one I did in Leeds. Okay, yeah, the One yeah, night yeah. was in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up going back with Paul and Susie, who are now my partners, because I ran all the venues at the old club. And one of the nights was done by these two, and they got me involved. I DJed there with Paul. That's how me and Paul started DJing. And then we went back and did a night at High Flyers, this venue. It didn't last long. There was lots of complications. The night was really successful, but didn't last long. And we did a night that we called Vague. Vague. So the Vogue, Vague. Okay. And then we moved Vague to a venue in town that was the most famous venue in Leeds called The Warehouse, legendary, but had fallen into bad times. And when we lost our venue, High Flyers, everyone was like, you can't leave us. That's the best night. That's the best night. night. We need a night. We need a night. We called them because New Year's Eve, they had 14 people in, in a venue that fits 800. 14. 14, one, four. We called them and said, that's hard to look at. Do you need a new night? And they said, yeah, who are you guys? We're the guys that did Vague. They went, whatever you want. So we made a deal with them. And the first night, 800 was the venue capacity. We were excessive capacity work night one. We had queues around the block. Whoa. Because remember, we were already established. Everyone knew our night. That's but we just night, moved yeah. venues. Yeah, yeah. The second night, we were half formed. We freaked out that we got it wrong. The reason was gay pride was in London and loads of gay and okay. straight people drove to London or got the train to London and didn't come. The third week... We turned 1,000 people away, that busy. Away? Away. Oh, man. Then, as a result of that, the club, DJ Magazine came up. We did nothing to do with it. I was calling around everyone saying, we're doing a night, we're doing a night, come and review it. DJ Magazine, off the first night, reviewed it, because the opening night. Which is a good night, And they said, it was amazing, best new club in the North. They came back six weeks later and they reviewed it. And they did this once every two weeks. They did best club in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a top 10 of best club in Europe. We topped that list for two years solid. Two years? But every time they did it, every two weeks in the magazine, we were number one club. For two years? And they came back every six weeks. Jeez. We were so successful. Did you like wait for them to come in and then just give them everything they wanted? (laughs) Sorry, because two years, that's a long time. Two things happened. One is Chris, who was the editor, used to come and DJ. Okay, all right, that's good. But when, when I say you DJ at this club, I mean, some of the most famous DJs on the planet DJed there. And okay. it all said it was one of the greatest nights of ever DJ in their lives. Yeah. People went what crazy. Did differently? First of all, the, there was a bar downstairs at the club. We moved the DJ booth into the bar. Yeah. So people used to dance on the bar around you. So while you're DJing, everyone was dancing. <laughs> Second of all, the venue had one of the best sound systems in the north of England at the right. time. Third of all, it was small. only 800 venue, right? Yeah, we yeah. never went bigger than that. There's always yeah. a thousand people waiting outside. Yeah. So anytime you left- It always feels like the two place more, three where more people, people want to be in, in yeah? this. Yeah, yeah. On top of it, it was called Vague because we said gay men are invited, but straight girls are invited. We said first ever mixed club. 
right? Okay, so, right. and if you came as a straight man, you're welcome, but you just straight up, there's going to be gay people here. So yeah. don't, so if you're going to get all weird on yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. don't come. Yeah, don't bother. So we called it vague. So we were the first ever mixed club in the country. By the way, the gay community slated us at first. And Why? Because they were like, no, you can't have mixed. It's either gay or straight. We were like, bro. Hold on. So they were as, as you they know, were as homophobic. segregated yeah, as, yeah, as, exactly. yeah, so as everyone else. Madness. And eventually the whole gay community in Leeds, the whole gay community in Manchester just went, that's the most fun. Yeah. Anyone came to the club, back to the marketing, I'd give them a free bar tab all night. I'd make sure the person that was doing bad things in there looked after them. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, they, yeah. they could go as crazy. Do whatever they want. Whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. they want. And if they were into boys, I'd introduce them into the, to the boys who'd yeah. have having fun. Yeah, and if, if they're into the girls, you've got to introduce <laughs> the girls. Got to go, yeah, yeah. And these people would come up and just go, oh my God. And the other thing is, if anyone came up from a, a magazine or anything, we'd always offer to put them in a five-star hotel. Brilliant. Because yeah. we were like, if we got good press, yeah. we wouldn't have to do any advertising. Yeah, so you knew about hospitality back then as well. That's all we Jesus did. Jesus Christ. So, but you think yeah. if you did an ad in Mixmag back then, it cost you like maybe 1,200 pounds. If we got the journalist from Mixmag and we put him in a five-star hotel room, which cost us 200 quid at the time, at the yeah. whole lay in, he'd go back and say, that's the best that's night the best ever. Yeah, yeah. And tell everyone and write in the magazine. We put an advert in, it's us saying best night ever. It doesn't mean anything. It's not the same impact, no. So we did this whole thing and it's brilliant. So DJ Magazine for two years had us number one. While that was going on, I was finishing my degree. Did you finish you it? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. yeah. Parents happy, parents, parents happy. happy. <laughs> not really, but semi-happy because they're like, when are you going to become an economist? Oh, okay, or yeah. when are you going to go work in the city? Anyway, so in the meantime, everyone, everyone was saying to me, record companies, Warner Brothers had come and do A&R. Uh, London Records, which I'll end up working for, come do marketing. It makes more sense now. If you've got a, a club that's been two years in the thing, come on, someone's going to phone at oh, some no, point. Everyone's <laughs> like, all excuse time. me, excuse me, can you help me? But, but all the record companies come up and they'd also, by the way, because I had a number one club in the country, Paul and I were in the top 100 DJs in the world. Wow. When they were sending out the exclusive acetates, they would send the club promotion guy up these days and just give you like these big old, they're not vinyl, they're acetates. So they're pre, basically- Pre-MP3s. Yeah, pre, pre-MP3s. <laughs> pre-CD-ROMs, pre all that stuff. So they'd come up and the club promotion guy would give us like some new record. Back in the day, Living Joy, I'm a Dreamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember um, the guy I've worked with now at Universal, Dean Gillard, he came up with I'm a Dreamer, Living Joy. Really? Yeah, he came up to the club. Oh, came up, I thought you meant- Came up, no, no, came up, <laughs> yeah, came up yeah. over to me and said, but I'd already been playing the Italian version. He came up with their new promos and new mixes and he brought it to a club and said, can you play it tonight? So I was listening to it like with my headphones on like this, flicking through it, like yeah. call that version, mix it in, boom. The crowd was like, oh my God, it's our favorite song. I'm a dreamer, going crazy. And I was like, shit. So we were really influential. All right. So they had yeah. Cream to start in Liverpool, I think. No, at the end of it, Cream start. 051 was big in Liverpool. Back to Basics also in Leeds. Hacienda in Manchester. And there was... Uh, back to basics yeah back to basics and us in Leeds were the biggest clubs and it was okay. up your once on a Friday night so there was like this group of clubs in the north of England that were the most famous and, yeah. thing. and we were one of them and it was amazing and then I met Amanda who you've just had lunch with who's my wife oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then she said she'd never been to ballet or opera I can't remember which one and I said oh I'm from London let's go back to London I'll take you to ballet or opera because I was trying to impress my new girlfriend <laughs> And we're walking along the street in Marshall Street, just off Carnaby Street, and the model agent came running out, yeah. shouting, excuse me, excuse me. I'm thinking, did we just pick up something in the shop by accident? Because they were chasing us like we were shoplifting. Oh, and the woman's like, no, 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 no. I'm a model agent. This is a male model agent. She's called Boss. 
we only have one girl, which is a very, very famous female model called Amber Valletta. I'd love to have you as my next model. That's brilliant. And Amanda's like, mm, well. And you, and you said, I'm not even wearing a skirt today. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, but I was literally there and I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Amanda's like, yeah, maybe. And Amanda was already doing stuff for Sassoon's as a model. Oh, nice. And she was like, yeah, maybe I should try. She was at art college. She's okay. like, man, maybe I should try this. So then we talked about it. And then she said, well, if I'm going to really spoke to the model agent, she, she spoke to a few other model agents. And they all said, you've definitely got what it takes to be a model, but you've got to move to London. Okay. I was living in Leeds, running my club in Leeds. Oh, so you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This was, doesn't sound such, such a good idea yeah, now. Yeah, hold on. No, Stay in Leeds. Was, <laughs> no, she was in Leeds with me yeah. and we were living in a bed set, right? Yeah. She said to me, I think maybe I should give it a go. But I mean, me moving to London. I was like, dun, dun, I'll come, dun. I'll come with you. <laughs> She's like, really? I was like, yeah, but what about business? So I went back to Paul and Susie. This is what love does, you see. Exactly. Even the economist thinks, do you know what? I know it doesn't make financial sense, but I need this woman. (laughs) So I said to the two people I ran the club with, I'll give you my shares in the club. Really? Have them go. I didn't even ask money. I said, just take them. I'm going to go move to London. They went crazy at me. They were so angry at me. I said, I'm going to move to London with Amanda. He just met her. You're crazy. You're like, this is the one. I was like, I had no idea, by the way. And obviously you're talking to me now and that's yeah, yeah. what, 28 years later, 27 years later. So Paul and I agreed to continue DJing because we, we made a lot of money. It was very successful as a DJ. We were playing three times a week minimum. Um, I said I'd DJ at the club any night that we could. We needed, yeah, yeah. Uh, which meant every week for years. And then I went to London and then, so I was like, what am I going to do in the day in London? I'm going to be bored. My wife's going to be, or my girlfriend, she's yeah. not my wife, my wife now, but she's going to be out looking for jobs or in Milan or Paris or wherever. And I'm going to have nothing to do except from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when DJing starts coming. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'll call back all those record companies I said no to and say, I'm available <laughs> Sorry, if you want me. And then London Records, who are really, really wonderful and you know they made a huge influence some of my, my mentors were there yeah now now looking back on my career they became my mentors they had pete tongs there so he was going to be my boss a guy called john reed and pete oh, tong, pete tong all right. boss. It's not and, bad. and pete tong said oh i only work monday to thursday and on thursday friday I get ready for my show and on saturday friday night and saturday night i dj he said you could have the same deal here come and do marketing work monday to thursday you got to do five days work in four days but yeah. you only needed to be in the office Monday, Thursday, and you're f- and we would encourage you to DJ. Because then you stay connected. So hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. But the thing was, the money they offered me was six times less than I was earning. Six times. I was one of the most successful DJs in the country, oh. the world at the time. So they said, no, 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 you can still do that. So you can have a job. Oh, so it's like topping it up, really. Topping it up, and yeah. the money from the club I didn't make anymore, which which reduced a bit of it. But the big money was the DJing and the remixing and the other stuff we were doing. So I said, no, you can do all that. So I was like, one minute, I can earn what I was earning, almost what I was earning yeah. for, and that, and my, my girlfriend's going to earn. Well, I'll try that. Yeah, that's I, a good from, combo. for a minute, between 1994 and 1996, when I left, and I learned so much of London Records. I met some incredible people. Tim and Danny, who we later, that's how, 50, Danny, yeah. that's how 50-50 came yeah, about, yeah, yeah, Stargate. Yeah. So Tim was an artist, Danny was an artist. Blacksmith was an artist. With yeah, yeah, Blacksmith, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Danny D. They did remixes. Danny, was, bunch of remixes. Yeah. Danny would mix some of your records. Yeah, D-Mob, yeah. right, yeah. was Danny's thing. We call it Acid Gone to Number Two. I was his product manager. And his manager, <laughs> his manager was Simon Fuller. 
allegedly oh. signed Fuller, who created Pop Idol, did the Spice Girls. He was the manager. No. Totally true. So wow. my first day in the job, I get a call from Danny D comes to see me. Tim Blacksmith comes to see me. And Simon Fuller calls me. That's my first day at London Records. So what? So at that point, what were they doing? Uh, Danny was an artist. Tim was at an London? artist. Yeah, both at London. That's, London how, that's how I know them. At London, all right. uh, yeah, and uh, Simon, Simon was their Fuller was, was the manager for Danny. For Danny, all right. The singer was Kathy Dennis. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The other singer was Juliet Roberts. Oh, man. Wait, wait, here's, I'll tell you an even yeah, better yeah, story. Yeah. Juliet Roberts would not do a photo shoot or video except if Johnny Sapong did the hair and the makeup artist, do you know this woman? Pat McGrath. No. So you know who's now going to become yeah, a billionaire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the first woman to do a foundation with black skin yeah, tones. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's about to become a billionaire. So and I had she, to book her. Oh she was just a makeup artist. So the crew was brilliant, Sapong and they had all had a friend at that time, Edward Innifold. He was the editor. He was the editor of ID Magazine. I used to speak to him when I ran the club. Yeah. And he used to come to my clubs. Crazy, right? So a whole crew. And it just yeah, spirals think so. out Ed, of that. Edward's the first black editor ever of uh, ID. Yeah. Tim Pat's, and Danny. I mean, Tim they, and they, Danny they are the most important people in the music. They publish Sam. <laughs> they publish everyone. Look, 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 they publish yeah, Sam. Sam so so crazy, when I get right? to the story about Sam and Oscars and Grammys, yeah. Yeah. I'm at the party yeah. and who's there? Tim and Danny, because yeah, they're the publishers. Yeah, and yeah. wait, and Pete Tong comes to, to say congratulations to us because yeah. he's now at W, he's at the Sam's agent in America, WME. Okay. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, that's oh, Pete is. So I, he lives in LA. So he turned out the party with the agent saying, yeah. these are my boys. And it's Tim, Danny, and me. I can show you pictures upstairs yeah, yeah, of Jimmy, yeah. me, Tim and Danny yeah. holding Oscars, Brilliant. holding Grammys. That's great stuff. So, so, like, so this is like how the family becomes the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I joined London Records. Yeah. And for two years, I work at London Records, two and a half years, and I become best friends with the Did you guy. enjoy that more? Well, I was going to say yeah. more than the DJ, but you were doing DJ as both. well, so. I was, you know, yeah. pri honestly, looking back, I was killing myself. Oh, is it? Overworking? Well, because when I worked at the weekends, I partied. Yeah, and then you've got four days in, in the office trying to recover. Five days work. And, and, trying, and trying to do some constructive and work. And the work was real. Yeah. I'm, dealing with, I'm dealing with Danny and Tim. I wish I wish this was a film. You yeah. can see your eyes when you the work was real. <laughs> Danny was real. And Danny and Tim don't suffer fools. And yeah. Simon Fuller is one of the most famous managers all the time. Then I had another manager called Tom Watkins involved who did E17 and Pet Shop Boys and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. He, and he was a bully, right? So I had a bully as a manager there. And then I had Pete Tong there, one of the best A&R men of all time, Tracy Bennett there. That was A&R at that point? No, I was doing? doing marketing first. For the first year I did marketing, and the year and a half that I stayed after that, I did A&R. And who is my assistant? Mine and Christian's assistant. We shared a marketing assistant, Joe Charrington. Ah, you know, because I, I was going to say, why Joe? Like, what is it? Like, no, how did that happen? Th that's first that's what it was. She was there. All right. And there's a book about the music business called Kill Your Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, John Niven worked yeah. there at that time. Oh, the other yeah. artists I worked with, Goldie and Trenton Harrison. All right, Goldie. Trenton. Trenton was there. He managed Goldie. Oh, man. For so that crew, my crew was, so Trenton, Danny, Tim, that was like yeah. my first music business crew. Jeez. They did all right. They all did all right. And <laughs> next door to me was Christian Tatsfield. And then right. in 1996, so by then, so then I started doing A&R as well because I was going to clubs and I was saying, why aren't we signing this record? Why aren't we signing this record? So the boss, a guy called Colin said, listen, if you really want to sign one of these records, sign one. If it goes top 10, you can do another one. If it doesn't go top 10, shut up and finish your marketing. marketing. 
Yeah. So that's how that's how you got your shot. First at, shot. At doing an A&R job. Yeah. He, he basically said, I said, there's a record and it was actually one of Amanda's friends was singing on it. I didn't know that when I signed it. It was called Sunshine After Rain and a guy called John Barlow, yeah, yeah, who okay. runs Three Beat in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A license from, because I used to buy my records from John in Liverpool when I was in Leeds. Right. So this was all my club crew. So he had done it? He'd put it up, picked it up himself independently. And you licensed it? And I licensed it into me. And the record went, first time it didn't go top 10. It came out. What do you mean first time? I released it. Yeah. It didn't do very well. It went to like 46. Okay. And then it kept selling and selling. And the sales team said, you know, this record's selling every week. So I did some new remixes. A guy called Dancing Divas did it. They were a famous time, a friend of mine called Nick Worthington, who later signed The Streets and signed a, a load of successful acts. He's yeah. a really, really good A&R guy. Plan yeah. B signed as well. Um, he was a remixer at the time called Dancing Divas, I think it was called. Yeah. And me and John decided to get them to do a remix of it. We remixed the song and we released it and it went to number six in the chart. No, that's a lie. The first song was Two Cowboys, Everybody Was Gone, went to number six straight away. And then the second song I put out went to 40 Sonic and then we re-released it and that went to number six as well. My first two hits went to number six. And then Christian- And then he said, you know, no, no, then, you can keep doing this. No, no, then they said, go upstairs and became label manager. So the guy that bought me an Andy- Label Tom, manager? So I became label manager of FFRR. Jeez. Well, I had two top 10 singles in the first three months. They were like, this guy's a They're like, we're, we're working all year for this. What's going on? We're working all year. And they were only signed two records. I signed two records. They both went oh, top 10. Oh, and they're both, yeah, so they're thinking. They're like, they're he, like, he's, his ears to the ground on this he, one. He sort of knows his shit. Like, Jeez. So uh, that was that. And then Christian was next door to me. Joe is outside our office. Oh, okay. Hold on. No. Yeah. So you, you were at, you were um, marketing. Yeah, marketing. And your assistant was yeah. Joe? With Joe, marketing assistant. Joe, marketing assistant. Yeah. And then you tried the A&R thing. Then I went was she still assistant? assistant? No, 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 she went to Virgin to go and work in international. And she worked on the Spice Girls and Lenny Kravitz and all that stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. She left because she just wanted to do something else. Okay. So Sorry. when she was at, um, when Joe, I mean, I'm going to talk mm, to Joe yeah, as well, but yeah. when when uh, uh, Joe went to Virgin, was that um, was that to do marketing? No, she did international marketing. International marketing. And now she was right. no longer an assistant. Okay. Or maybe she was. She was an assistant. She, yeah. she assisted a guy called, a, a famous club promoter called Graham Ball. Okay. But he was also a marketing yeah. guy. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a very successful okay. marketing guy. All right. Guy. So you went for marketing. Did you prefer marketing or a and I felt that finding the talent was the most exciting thing. Yeah. But if you didn't understand marketing, that bullshit of it was a hit when it left my desk is bullshit. You know, okay. people go, yeah, it was yeah, a hit yeah. when it left my desk. Yeah, no, yeah, it's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And I felt that I'm So really, understanding how to work the actual record. 100%. So there's I, a craft to that. I thank them for teaching me that. Okay. They made me do it. I did not want to do marketing. I thank Colin Bell. Oh. I thank John Reed. So, John Reed now runs Live Nation Europe, by the way. Lovely man. Live yeah. Nation, jeez. Yeah. So you feel that the key yeah. to being a really good A&R is knowing how to market. Whatever no. it is that you do find the key to being a really good a and r yep. in my opinion yeah. is it's helped by having the marketing element it's helped that that kind of finishes the bit of well it means no it means you're thinking it. about who you're going to sell it to yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of yeah. a and r people sign yeah. it going oh my friends like it exactly. who cares about they're your not friends? buying the record either so yeah no listen yeah. signing you yeah came because my mum yeah. You know, oh, yeah, she yeah, called yeah. me. She's like, uh, he's got like a Motown voice. Yeah. I was like, mum, all the acts of that show go to Universal. I'm yeah. working at 
Sony. Sony, yeah. yeah she's, Sony. I was like, why do I want to watch a TV show where all the, and if there's a really good act on there, it's going to it's annoy gone. me. It's gone, yeah. It's gone. It's, gone. it's, it's already annoying me. So yeah. I'm going to see someone who's really good and they know it's going to be successful and it's going to be on another label. Yeah. And then I watched you the week after and Lionel Richie was on the show. Yeah. And he said, you're the only artist on the show that would have got, been good enough to be on Motown. Yeah. It's yeah. the greatest compliment he could yeah, have. Yeah, huge, huge. He God said that. Lionel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I watched the show and I caught a text Richard Griffiths or called him who was managing you. And yeah. I said, if, I said, by the way, my mum loves Lamar. I watched yeah. him tonight. If any opportunity ever comes to sign him, and he said, Nick, this kid's going to win the show. Yeah, That's what he said. He said, and he's going to be on Universal. But yeah. thank you for your interest. Okay. And that was the end of the conversation. He said, basically, I said, well, just bear very it in straight mind. talking, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, Richard. Richard. He said, yeah, bear it in mind. Yeah. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. So I listened to my mum because my mum is the end user. It's exactly. not like my friends. I'm hearing that voice and it's yeah. making me feel like it made me feel. Yeah. And my mum's voice is echoing in my ear because my mum listens to Capital Radio and she ain't listening to Trevor Nelson or Tim Westwood. Yeah. She's listening to Capital Radio. Yeah, yeah. And she's saying, and by the way, my mum, I grew up, my mum and dad listened to Motown or Elvis like, or Frank Sinatra. They're only three fans in my house, <laughs> right? And they listened to that music. Motown yeah. was like, the, the story of Motown, I know, I know what Lionel says between each record. <laughs> yeah, Smokey and Lionel narrate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I used to clean cars yeah. in my neighborhood and, and I used to take those cassettes, they were cassettes then, I put them in people's cars. Yeah. So I know every word to Grandmaster Melly Mel came out of time. I know every word to Call and the Gang's album, that yeah. Fresh and all that sort of stuff on. Yeah. I knew every word to Motown. And my grandfather loved Frank Sinatra, so I know every Frank Sinatra yeah, song. Because yeah. it's just constantly, constantly on, playing. Yeah, it's like on a loop. Yeah. So so if mum says, yeah, you know, this guy's good, you're thinking, Motown, all right, well, she's drowned in Motown in her yeah, life, exactly. so let me have a listen kind of thing. And yeah. she rarely says anyone's good. Okay. She's always right. like, yeah, not as good as Motown, not as good as uh, <laughs> Diana Ross, oh, not as good no, as, no, or no. not as good as Barbara Streisand, which isn't Motown, but she, yeah. or Neil Diamond, who she like, yeah. the, you know, the Jewish singers of her era. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, this kid's really good. And she kept telling me, yeah. mum, I can't sign yeah, him. Yeah. He's already signed somewhere else. Anyway, so Richard so, shut the door. <laughs> yeah, so Richard shut the door. So the marketing thing really worked for me. So Joe goes to BMG. This is really interesting bit of the story. Joe goes to BMG. She leaves Virgin, goes to BMG. Mark, uh, same, similar role? No, this time she's going to be the PA to the chairman or the oh, president. Whoa. And that was Jeremy Marsh. He's now at Warner's, head of international Warner's. Okay. And Jeremy... Everyone always just moves. They, they never yeah. leave. They just move to a higher position Some at parallel or... We, 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 yeah, yeah. For. <laughs> a few. One, one who you reasons. work with has left and I, I, I don't want to have a conversation. We'll have a conversation off air oh, about yeah, that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Joe goes to work for BMG. Yeah. And then something really weird happens, which you cannot predict in life. BMG had an incredible A&R label called Deconstruction Records. Yeah. They did Kylie. They did Robert Miles' Children. The guy from Cream was working there. So again, another okay. club thing, thing. Anyway, they were the main rivals to London Records. And they were in the BMG system. They did M People as well with Mike Pickering. Joe was working for Jeremy. And one day something really terrible happened. Pete had a brain tumor. The main oh. A&R guy. There's Pete and Keith. Oh. Pete had a brain tumor and Jeremy panicked that Pete might never, one, survive the operation. Two, he might not want to come back and work. And three, you know, would he still be able to do A&R when he comes back from that terrible yeah, would he thing? be as, as effective, yeah. And then he realized that he was short of good A&R people, especially in dance music. He was having a conversation with Joe and she was like taking notes. We've got to do this, send this, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, I'm really worried about this Pete situation. One, he's a friend. Yeah. Two, 
if he does stop, I really realise now I'm exposed. I need to have another dance set up, ready to go. And Joe said, well, you should hire my friends, Nick and Christian. He said, either one or both of them. So he meets us both, hoping, well, one of them will say yeah. Yeah. And he pitches himself. And I was ready to leave. I felt that London Records, there was a glass ceiling. Pete was my boss. And then he had a boss. And then there was the owner. And I thought- You were well, a label manager. I was a label manager, but I was like, the guy's saying you can have your own label. Yeah. So Christian and I have lunch. And Christian says to me, did Jeremy approach you? I said, yes. He said he'd approach me as well. And we talked about what we would do individually. But we we're going to nick the same staff. We we're going to oh. get similar people. But we did end up fighting over them. So he's like, well, there's another way of doing this. I said, what's that? He goes, how about you and I join up and go together? And Christian and I were rivals at London, but we were friends. Between us, he was having more number ones. I was having top tens. And we were the most two successful young guys. We had an amazing, amazing boss called Tracy Bennett, who's better than all of us. And we had Pete, who'd historically done well. Yeah. Everybody else was having one-offs every now and then. We yeah. were having them all the Continuously, time. Continuously, okay. And so Christian said, if us two were together, we'd be amazing. So I said, cool. But he's more experienced than me. So I said, right, we'll do a label together. But basically you, you be the, you deal with the label and you deal with BMG. I will be, I'll deal with the artists and that side. Even though we both do A&R, I'll be more the creative side. You'll be more the business side. Okay. Because Christian's more experienced. He's more senior than me. What, taking like meetings? De and dealing with yeah, the bosses and everything right. else. So we sort of split the roles up. And really, Chris, I would say Christian was the boss at that point. No question. And we did it. This is BMG now. BMG. And we, right. then we sat down one day. We were like, well, what's the label going to be called? We had a bunch of ideas and names, some of them we couldn't use. And then we had wanted to do something that had in common. It's so funny because we're, we're having this conversation in Northwest 3, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing we had in common was he lived in Northwest 3 and I lived in Northwest 6. He lived in Hampstead and West Hampstead. So we called our label Northwest Side. So NWS Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. was the name of the record, but it meant Northwest Side. Northwest Side, all right. And that's what we called ourselves. And then we had a dance label called Satellite, which is a satellite on Northwest Side Records. I think there was a jazz label called Satellite that we had to sort of settle up with afterwards. That was a whole other conversation. Because anyway, the name, Because the name, yeah. We used their name. We didn't realize that when we did it. So London Records throw us out. The minute we say we're leaving. <laughs> They're like, like, get out. Get out. Scum. Jeremy's like, we're not ready for you. So we arrive at oh, BMG. You've got gardening leave going. No, we didn't even have gardening leave. They're like, right, okay, Nick, Christian, there's a, the finance director's on holiday. You can use his office for two weeks. So we moved into finance director's office and we sat opposite each other on one desk with one telephone, one computer. And Christian's like, you got any ideas what to sign? And I just signed Norman Cook, who ended up being Fatboy Slim, as Mighty Dubcats. And he had this other project, which I loved the mixed thing on More Protein, Boy George's label. We had this thing called Fatboy Slim. I tried to sign this guy, hip-hop guy at London Records called Jay-Z. He's got this amazing album called Reasonable Doubt. And I want, there's another <laughs> guy. Quite cool. Another guy I want, to, uh, I want to sign again. He's got a new project, Fatboy Slim. He was previously in the House Martins, and then he was Freak Power, and then he was Mighty Dubcats. Every time he's done something, he's been successful. Think we should try and sign him so christian said let's choose one or the other and we talked about it we were known for doing dance why music. because of, because of the the, no, cost, the cost it would no, be no, or no no, no? no. just like just it's easy focus on something focus on one thing 
and we we debated it for a couple of days. Anyway, I worked out Jay Z had been signed to another label called Freeze, and then through priorities, complicated thing. And I called up the guy at Freeze, I knew him. He's like, "Bro, you gotta get these guys off my hand. They're a nightmare because they don't understand how it works. Every time their album goes up the chart in America." They want marketing money immediately to release to spend it, but they don't realize it takes 18 months the money come through to distributor or 90 days plus then 90 days. So it takes 90 days for the store to pay and 90 days to pay. It's 180 days. It's a minimum of six months. And they want me to spend more marketing right money, now, yeah. but I've run out of cash because the cash, even though I know the money's coming in, cash flow is, cash flow is not, not there. Like so I was like this. Okay, can you introduce me to him? He said, yeah, here's the guy's number, Damon Dash. So I called Dame Dash. Dame, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dame said to me, hi, Nick. I said, hi. He said, what's, what's up? I said, I said, Will Sokoloff gave me your number. He said, cool. Where are you based? I said, in, in London, Europe. I said, who do you work with? I said, BMG. He said, cool. Got my label called Northwest. I said, cool. He said, what do you want? I said, I want to, I want to pick up Reasonable Doubt and sign Jay-Z. You said you want to pick up Reasonable Doubt? Yeah, because that was the album. He said, yeah, cool. What do you want to do? I said, I'll come to New York tomorrow. He said, yeah, come. So I said, okay. So I came to New York with Christian. We booked tickets and we get to Wall Street where they had their old offices. The album had been out 13 weeks in America and had gone gold. And they did one of the most brilliant offensive ads I'll show you later. The song was called, Did You Know Ain't No? Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. the song. And they did an advert, it said gold in 13 weeks, not bad for a bunch of, oh, okay, in, in Billboard magazine. Oh. With the three of them with their fingers up. Big screen. <laughs> who funded them, who's now yeah, been yeah, to prison for the yeah. biggest dope haul of all time in America. Damon and Jay, the three of them with a finger up and I've got the ad, I've kept the ad. Um, <laughs> and that was the day we met them and they were doing a photo for that. Yeah. And me, Christian, went to meet them. Jay was the most impressive artist yeah. in, in, in a meeting. The guy was, it was obvious he was going to yeah. next level yeah. shit. Damon was brilliant, yeah. but a nightmare. Okay. So he had the, what, in, he, he, in it, the meeting. In my opinion, Jay Z would not have happened without Damon Dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason Jay Z got rid of Damon Dash, in my opinion, yeah. is he became a liability. He was crazier than yeah. the artist, way wow. crazier than the artist. So we had this meeting, and they're like, "No one, basically, you can have it. Just is give it? us some money quickly." Just because? No one else was interested. What I didn't realise is, by the way, we used to work at London Records. London Records in America dropped them. I didn't even know that. Really? I didn't even know that till that meeting. Whoa. So we'd left London Records, gone to BMG. Yeah. And you said you want that record and they said... Okay. And they said, yeah. And then we picked it up for the world. And then the American labels, Clive Davis, Bob Jameson, Pete Evans, everyone passed on American rights. Passed on the American yeah. rights. So oh, I end up with we end up hindsight with the, is it? We, we end up with the first three albums everywhere outside America, but I had the American rights. Wow! And they brilliant. passed. Jeez. So Christian and my first signing to our own label was, was two it? white kids from London <laughs> signed Jay Z for the world, had our American label pass on the American rights, and that was our first signing. Wow! One of that. Then we signed a couple of other things that didn't work out. Uh, it shows that the ear was working. Oh, the ear, the ear was good. And then the next thing I signed, we just spoke to him on FaceTime. Now my best friend, yeah, yeah, yeah. Godfather's Kid, was, I signed Double 99, yeah. which was Omar Demora and yeah. Tim Deluxe. I made a lifelong friend. He'd end up becoming yeah. Cardinal Beats, did mixes yeah, for yeah, you, yeah, yeah. house mixes. mixes. And at the same time, when I signed Jay-Z, Joe said, I got you this label deal. What do I get? I don't want to stay in this job. Christian said, we'd like to put a band together. Yeah. Mixed race band. 
black and white. Okay. Like you, like the kids you I see at school. I think I know who this is going to be, but go Yeah, like the kids <laughs> you see at school, put it together. So Joe put together another level for us. Joe right? put, to, yeah, put them together. Yeah, with her friend, nice. Amanda. Yeah. And once she put it together, she's like, right, what do I get? And we're like, we'll give you a finest fee. She went, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I want to be the manager. So we put her together with John Reed, who managed Elton John, Queen, Michael Flatley. To work out of his office on a 50-50 basis. So Joe earned half the management commission, he earned the other half. And Joe became the manager of another level. And then we were putting together the first single. I was like, I want them to be credible. Yeah. And we got Wale Adamemi to do the styling because yeah, he did yeah. Hip Hop Connection and Blues and Soul. And the ultimate thing we did, we asked Jay-Z to rap on the first single. And Tim Blacksmith remixed it. And that record went to number six in the chart. And the second record was made by a f- mutual friend. And I'm almost going to cry telling you Fitzgerald Scott. Ah, oh, Fitz. So he yeah. made the second single, which went to number one. Yeah. He made Freak Me. Okay, Freak Me, baby. baby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. That was Fitz. That's crazy. That's how I met Fitz. That's how you met him? Well, I met him looking for songs for another level. Yeah. And he had a song called... When you say looking for songs, like what do you do? You just put out a no. When I got on the plane, I went on the plane. I wanted to make. I wanted to make authentic black music. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you get authentic black music from? Yeah. From America. Yeah. 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 Good place. So I flew to America, and by the way, these are the people I met in this office. In that office was Big John, who runs who runs Sony ATV worldwide. Jody Gerson, who runs Universal Publishing worldwide. Jeez. And number two in America, Evan Lamberg for Universal Publishing, were all in that office. Fitz had just had a number one in America with Keith Sweat, nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I love that and they said, you've got to work with this guy. He's amazing. And I went to Atlanta and I met Fitz in the next trip. Yeah, yeah. And I made a lifelong for him because he died. Yeah. As you know, because yeah. he was very influential in your career. Yeah, he worked with every artist I ever worked with after that. I mean, yeah. Fitz, we always yeah. the first thing was, go work with Fitz. Yeah, yeah. He's always got something. Oh, he's amazing. yeah. yeah. Christian had the idea to cover Freak Me, which was obviously a Silk song, which Keith had written. So that was still uh, you and Christian at that still. point. With and Joe, Joe was the manager. And what was the other guy? Ben, there was a guy. Joe and Ben was the no, no, manager. No, no, John, no, John Reed was manager. There was a guy called Ben who worked with us. During that process, as the group became successful, yeah. Clive Davis picked him up from America. Nice. Yeah, which was <laughs> got, amazing. Got, got worse people to pick him up. Exactly. And then... And then through that, I met Diane Warren. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, Diane Warren. Right? The Mad- Dingleberries. Warren. Yeah, yeah. maddest woman in the world. I love her. She's yeah. a genius. Yeah, she's brilliant. And then John Reed quit management because Elton and him had a legal case. Okay. And when they quit management, the world goes around in one big circle. Simon Fuller became the co-manager of another level with Joe. Simon Fuller? Yeah. Jeez. So Joe worked with John Reed, Simon Fuller, Worked at Virgin through the heyday of International and worked at London through the heyday of their hits at London Records. So by the time Richard Griffiths turned up at BMG. Because yeah, he ran BMG manager, at some point. He ended up becoming mine and Christian's boss. He came back from America and took over BMG. Yeah. Me and Christian had a label, Northwest Side, and he wanted to get rid of us. <laughs> he doesn't know I know. He told Jeremy they got, a, they got that crap rapper from New York that no one rates. And they got that, and the boy band, the boy band (laughs) was never going to happen. The next single by Another Level goes to number one. And and the album by Jay-Z that came out next was the third album. Then he after he arrived. And it was 
Hard Knock Life Volume 1. Oh, man. And it was the biggest Enormous. album in America that year and was huge for us. Yeah, Richard <laughs> goes, shut the label down, make them head of Arista. Oh, all right. right? Yeah, so now, all of a sudden, from one minute, we're yeah, throwing you yeah, out. Yeah, throwing you out. So, oh, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> make you the head over <laughs> yeah, there, please. Yeah. Christian left to run Atlantic East-West. Why did he leave? I'm presuming you we guys wanted, had a conversation We wanted, that we point, wanted right? to leave together. Yeah. But under some mad, weird conversation, Richard got me to re-sign my contract. Why mad, weird conversation? Because, okay, Christian and I were negotiating together. Richard was putting under more and more pressure, sign your contract, what what you two guys yeah, up yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. But we were waiting for- That was said very uh, uh, nicely. I yeah. doubt Richard and, said- No, 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 no. I skipped the- Exactly, I skipped all the F words. <laughs> then Christian was waiting for Roger Ames, who was our original boss at London, to take over at Warner's globally okay to go and then take a position and then he was like you're gonna you guys are gonna take over for me christian's like oh at warner's yeah warner's christian said roger's taking too long we got to get richard off our back just agree your contract and then stall right and then one day he's like have you agreed your contract have you agreed it have you done it not sure this thing's gonna happen with roger i called my lawyer i said we agreed the contract yeah so then the lawyer called me up and said, can you come up and sign your contract? Because it's all agreed with your lawyer. Christian's calling me from home saying, just get it done. So I go upstairs and I sign it. Oh. Christian. Is Chris done you over? No, no, no. Oh, didn't, no not, not intentionally. 24 hours later, he calls me and goes, right, no problem. Warner thing's done. Contract's on its way over to but you. But you signed it though. He said, he meant agree it verbally, not in writing. Because ah. we're trying to make sure. We, we're not, if Roger thing doesn't happen, we've, we're out of a job because yes, because we've stalled, we're mess- yeah, we're stalled yeah, the other yeah. one. I fucking, I signed it. So Christian's like, what do you mean you signed it? <laughs> you said, get it done. I've done it. I've signed no, no, it. No, he said, he said, no, just, just get them off your back by saying it's agreed. Oh, right. Shoot. I said, yeah, but how many times can I say agreed? So I've signed it. He said, oh, you idiot. So anyway, this ridiculous conversation happens. Yeah. We were both too young. We didn't know how the game worked properly. So he and said, we, look, we'll go, he'll go to East West. And I was like, well, we're now stuck apart for at least three years. We were trying to sign David Gray, White Ladder. At, Massive. At BMG. Our boss, Jed, who adore and love, as oh, you yeah, know, Jed, later yeah, on, Jed, he yeah, came yeah. back in my life yeah. with you, uh, told us we couldn't sign him. He was too old. Oh. He, he, had a, he had a twitch when he oh. played, all this stuff. He sold a lot. <laughs> so he said, no, we weren't allowed to sign him. So Christian, idea was when you went to Atlantic or East West, he was going to sign... The artists we told we weren't allowed to sign yeah. at PMG. So Christian went and signed it. Christian called me and said, please don't try and sign this artist. I said, I can't. Oh yeah, because Jed my boss has already said it, yeah. I'm not allowed to. So yeah. you got a free run because I've already been told no way. Literally yeah. no way. Oh man. So Christian said, brilliant. So Christian goes there and signs David. So Christian and I split up. The whole music business is saying... I said this to Christian the other day, we'll find out who the good one was. And the <laughs> and first thing Christian said so 6.8 million. <laughs> so I looked, you looked like an idiot. Like all the genius of Jay-Z, another level <laughs> yeah, was all him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm an idiot. Finally, he's got rid of the pimple. Oh my God. <laughs> Richard Thomas was working for me oh, at the time. Funny. Who's Kano's manager. Yeah, yeah. He brings in Rudy Silva, sign that goes to number one. Yeah. Then Joe and I do with Victoria Beckham and Dane. So you, at that point mind. you said Joe. No, no, Joe, Joe is still manager. Still, still manager. Okay. 
And then all these record companies were calling me saying, we want you to be the MD, including Richard offered me, I think, the MD of Arista. Definitely offered me it. Him and so Jed. Jed was the MD. And Jed was going right. to go up to be president of all music at BMG because Ro- Richard ran Europe. <laughs> Bloody hell. All right. So they were going, Richard goes up, Jed goes up, Nick goes to Arista. The higher you go up, though, it's more meetings, isn't it? Awful. The worst. Because I'm, I'm, the worst. I'm, it's a guess, but it's like, Awful. I'm pretty sure the higher you go up, it's less creative and more meetings and less creative and more, more till it's just meetings at some exactly. point. Sure. <laughs> agree. One you're less, you're further away from artists, you're closer to the executives. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. So that all goes down. Richard sends me to America with Jed. We meet all these American, exec, German executives in America because BMG was a German-owned company. And they're like, you're going to be the boss of Arista. Well done. Congratulations. What <sighs> I was I like, talk about those people. Like, no, no. You got, you got, like, all right, you've got to meet all the executives. Yeah. So they're in their territories doing yeah. no, no, a no, similar no. thing? Or? No, no, these, these are the big bosses. These are bosses of bosses. These are the ones who run <laughs> the head bosses. of international, head of the world. So they're, okay. they're, so they're more looking at, are we as a business yes. working correctly? Yes. Figures-wise? Yes. Okay, I get it. Right. So they get to meet, Richard sends me over there to meet them with Jed, explaining that Jed's going up, Nick's going to come underneath. Yeah. I get back and the Boiler House boys who were working at the time said, have you met our lawyer, David Glick? I said, no, nah, I've never met this guy. And David says, asked me to have lunch with him. And at lunch, he says, you're the next MD of a record company and I'd like to be your representative. I said, I've already got a lawyer. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to represent you. You're going to be offered in the next 72 hours, heads of two of the biggest record companies in Britain. And you're going to get paid more money than you've ever dreamed of. And I don't take any money for it. I get paid by the record companies, not by you. I was like, really? You're crazy. I didn't understand anything. I was yeah, like, like, all made too good to be <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. He already knew he'd been asked to approach me by Lucian at Universal. Because oh, right. Lucian had hired David to go out there and he'd get him a list of people to contact so that Lucian wasn't going Lucian out there. Did, okay. Yeah. Lucian was running Universal in the UK. And Rob had also hired him to find him oh, a Rob head. Stringer, yeah. Because yeah, uh, he was Rob's lawyer to help him find a head of Epic. So I think, oh, so I believe yeah. David used Lucian's list for both jobs. Yeah. yeah. He'd gone, <laughs> I'm offering you to both. So he came to me and he said, would you like to do those jobs? I said, 100%. Where are you at contractually? I said, I'm still got 18 months to go. He said, don't care. I'll, I'll sort it out. Meet both Rob and Lucian. So I met them both. And I loved them both. I was really impressed by them both. And I got both job offers in oh, writing. Nice. And I was like, well, I'm going to take one of them. I couldn't make my mind up because they were both amazing jobs, both amazing people to work for. Companies as well, Universal yeah. Sign. I mean, yeah, it's amazing, unbelievable. And my wife said one day, you're doing my head in. Tell me one thing about one job that you, that, you know, that matched you. She's like, because we went through the money, the bosses, the companies. I was like, no, they're all about money. Was fine. Everything was everything's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. And I said, I've always wanted to work in the West End. Okay. Because remember, right. I'm working out. BMG is the worst office in yeah. London. Yeah? yeah, it's like right on the yeah. Right on the and she said, well, well, okay, which which ones in the West End? And I said, Sony Epic. Yeah. She went, there's, take that there's, job. There's your decision. Yeah, so yeah. I called David Glick, the lawyer, purely based on location. Uh, I didn't, didn't tell him the reason. <laughs> yeah. I said I made my mind up. I want to go to Sony. He's like, great. So he calls Rob. Rob calls me. I insist on calling Lucian. I call him. David 
spoke to Lucian and negotiated. I, be, I listen. I believe this be one more time. Oh. I wasn't aware of it. Years okay. later, Lucian had a go at me and said, "Why did you like string me along again?" I said, "I didn't." Yeah, but, you didn't. Yeah. But but you didn't know. You weren't aware. Then, of then it, I got yeah. a call like forty hours after I told Rob it's on and it's happening. I shouldn't even use the name, but the lawyer he calls me and he <laughs> says right. to me. Oh, I got you an extra blah blah. Some more niceties for Universal, and I was like, "But I've already agreed. I've already, t- I've told the other guy. I'm coming. I'm thinking, what color I'm going to paint my office? Exactly. What, 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 what are you talking about? Yeah. And I le- and so I said, "No, no, 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 no." So years later, I found out that wasn't an offer. He extracted another offer. So years later, that sort of upset me when I found out. But it didn't matter, you know. Yeah. And and thankfully, Lucian, he actually eventually just went. Listen, I just want to hire the best people. Yeah, he was cool in that respect. And he's a grown up and he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant businessman. Yeah. And by the way, I loved Rob as well. I still love Rob. Uh, I work for Lucian. I still have a really good relationship with Rob. Um, so I end up at Sony. Yeah. And then I'm like, my head of A&R quit pretty quickly. Why? He said, I've had more hits than you. I'm older than you. And I, and I, and I'm better, I, I should get the job before you be the MD. Oh, so just out of principle, he just He's thought, like, you know I don't want to be here. And okay. I said, I said, okay, bro. Yeah. I won't pick your contract up. I'll yeah. pay you to the end of your term. Yeah. Free, free to leave. Yeah. He, he didn't say it to my face first. He said it to everyone else. And okay. I called him in my office one day. I said, what's the problem? Yeah. He said, I've had more success than you. I said, yes. Yeah. I'm older than you. And, and I think it's outrageous you've been given the job. I said, you're all correct. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. If you don't well, want to That's just not the way the world works as yeah, well. No, it's like yeah. not always the best person for everything 100%. gets everything. That's just not how it works. And also I was, I was hired on potential, not on what I've done. Currently, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, say the same to me yeah. in 15 years time, yeah. then all right, yeah. you're right. Isn't it? <laughs> so I said to him, yeah. then you should leave. So I called Christian. I said, I've got no head of A&R and I'm running a 42 person company on the biggest record company it's in stressful. Britain. And that's a major role. And Christian was like, listen, I'm off the cards, mate. No, I'm, no, no, no. I'm no, counting no, David no, Gray no, over no, here, exactly. right? No, no, <laughs> he, Leave me alone. <laughs> I knew he weren't coming. He was, he was a baller. He was like established yeah. baller in the job. And he was a, he was a president. He was the same level I was and, and more established. So I knew it wasn't him. I said, give me some advice. He said, hire someone you trust. I said, okay. I thought about it. Went to bed that night. I thought the only person I trust other than Christian is Joe. In the whole music industry, because, <laughs> because no, the only other no, person no, I trusted. No, 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 because all the other people I trusted were either above me, yeah, yeah, or did didn't do A and R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe yeah. didn't do A and R. Yeah. So in that zone that you thought, do you know what I can work with? Yeah, I can work know, with Joe. Yeah, yeah. So I called her up, and I said, I know you're doing management, but I need someone to do head of A and R. And I said, I need someone to come to work with me. She's like, amazing. So she said. I can't remember whatever the salary she was earning. She's doing well. She had a good salary. Yeah. Can you pay me the salary I get? What's my job title? I said, head of A&R. She said, Nick, I know nothing about A&R. I said, little secret. No one does. <laughs> so I have a theory. No on one it, does. I said, I have a theory on how we should do it. And I believe the certain way of doing it that I've stolen from the great people I've watched. Tracy being one of them. Later on, Muff Winwood was really influential on that. But the legends of A&R, read up on Clive Davis, read up on Armour Ertigan, big fan of Jimmy Iovine, big fan of L.A. Reid. Yeah. I was looking at all Huge, my heroes. Yeah, big, big names. Yeah, big names. I was my heroes. So I said to her, listen, I've got theories, but we've got to put it in practice. 
So she's like, okay, but you've got to find me a new title. So I made a director of arts development. She had to be a director so she could fly a certain way, so she could get certain size office and all that yeah, sort of rubbish. Yeah, yeah. But she didn't, she, I just wanted her to be treated correctly and respectfully. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, and she became director of arts development and she came in. Sometimes it is about giving someone the confidence to do what they, ma- they might be capable of. But like me, yeah, 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 like yeah, that yeah. guy said, you weren't yeah. good enough. Yeah, you yeah. hadn't done enough. And I was like, but I mean, high for potential. Yeah. I could see the potential in Joe. Yeah. Also, she'd done international. She'd done management. She'd done marketing. I thought, if anyone understands yeah. what it takes. Yeah, she's got the yeah the raw tools. Right? Yeah, she so did, why not? she's yeah, seen yeah. it. She'd been there. So she comes in and she had a rough ride. The women oh, within it? the label didn't want her there. Why? Because I thought women stick together and well, packed. I, I, I got to be careful what I say, but ask Joe, I agree with you. Yeah. But you find... Scratched her eyes out. <laughs> yeah. You're, whatever you are, whichever group you come into, you always presume your crew have got your back. Some of the worst things in life, you know, the person most likely to kill you is a member of your family. <laughs> it's true. They know your whole movement and your character. No, 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 not only that, not only that. Something you will do or they will do will hurt them that bad that they feel they've got to kill you. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you sleep with your sister-in-law, you, your brother kills you. There's a thing called Outfoxed, a brilliant TV documentary, where they explain that 95% of gun crime in America that's reported on TV is black on white, yeah. right? Yeah. But you are 95% most likely to be killed by someone of the same ethnic minority as you or ethnic group as you forget minority yeah, yeah, yeah. a white person is 95 percent most likely to be killed by another white person and probably someone in some way related to them wow. so when you look at the crime statistics yeah right the closest people to, to you, you are, are the most, most, likely. most likely to kill you yes jeez that's a, that's right? a horrible that's statistic, a, that's a statistic. <laughs> and what you find that you know i found that Joe's treatment originally when she went to Sony by some of the other female staff was not cool. She wasn't welcome. Okay. Sometimes it's just jealousy as well. Yeah. And then the next bit was I was a new boss and everyone trying to impress me and I bring my friend in. Yeah. The next bit was your friend doesn't know nothing about A&R. I was like, yeah, Yeah, but I said, no one knows nothing about A&R. So, and by the way, the reason I've been brought in is we haven't had hits for eight. They, they were a successful label. Rob signed Manage Street Preachers and Bewitched and stuff like that did really well. But they need their revamp. They need yeah, to get some. Nick, Nick signed Finley Quay, but the second album hadn't done as well as the first album or hadn't even released the second album. Had he released it? I can't remember. Anyway. Finley Quay, yeah. Yeah, who's amazing, by yeah, the way, yeah. uh, even though he went off the rails, whatever. But anyway, so we didn't have an A&R department. So I had to build one. History proves 20 years, like 20 years next year that Joe and I worked together. Wow. She became years. one of the greatest A&R people on the planet. Male, female, black, white. She's one of the best. Wow. There's another one called Wendy Goldstein in America. Oh, Wendy. Yeah, yeah. Very special she's lady. Brilliant. Yeah. But Joe from day one was like, okay, cool. So she got involved in everything. How'd you do radio edits? Went down to mixes. Met her husband through mixing. And then one of the artists that we picked up was you. Yeah, one, yeah. The, one. So the earliest one. Sorry, that's not true. The first artist we had success with, what we there success with, yeah, was Big Brothers. And Fitz then worked a little bit on that. Wow, things he did work on as well for me. He worked uh, the second album. The first album they did it all themselves. Yeah, Big Bro, favorite things. Yeah, uh, really big success. Yeah, 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 we did really well. Yeah. Next act that we signed 
Milo, Destroy Rock and Roll, which oh, was a Milo, platinum album. Charlotte Church Pop album, The Crazy yeah. Chick. Then you. So when we signed you, which was a really interesting one, Rob came to see me yeah. and told me, TV artists are over. <laughs> Why would you sign a TV artist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? This whole TV thing's finished. Yeah, yeah. And I said to him, I think you're wrong. Yeah. So he called Deirdre Moran, who's oh, the TV. Oh, Deirdre. How good is she? lovely lady. Yeah, yeah, Deirdre. And said, Nick's signing this kid, Lamar. Do you know about this? She said, yeah. He says, how do you know about it? I've had 12 requests for him to put, appear on TV. Okay. Said, what? How many? <laughs> said, 12. He called me up and he said to me, where are you at with that deal? <laughs> I said, I, I'm going to close it today. He said, get it closed fast. <laughs> I said to Deirdre, after he called me, the, uh, I said, he called me twice in two within an hour. Yeah. One minute, <laughs> One minute to TV say arcs are over. Nonsense. Next Stop minute, finish the deal. Finish the deal. What happened? She goes, oh, he called me and asked me what's going on. And I told him how many people had really, because they heard a rumor you're signing to, to us. Mm. And they're all calling up asking for you to appear. And then he must have called you back. I was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> anyway, we went away, didn't we? And yeah. then I sent you down to Brian's. Yeah, Brian, Brian Rollins, yeah. Brian Rollins, with Fitz. Uh, Craig Hardy. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I, let me tell you a story. Tell me if the story is correct that I remember. Yeah. Was it you? Of, it, was, it wasn't you, it was Fitz. St. Johnswood High Street. Yeah. I was in my car. And Fitz comes up to play me the music. And I lived in that house in Carlton Hill, which yeah. I came to many times. And Fitz said, I want to play you something. The song that we did down at Brian's, he played it to me in the car. And I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> He's like, I think it's the first thing you ever did with him. Yeah, first, first, first song, first anything. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I said, that's the number one record. <laughs> he said to me, you think so? In his American <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I called Brian. I said, Brian, can you finish the song as soon as possible? I called you. Yeah. So how was the session? You went, yeah, cool. That's yeah, we got, yeah. we got something like typical Lamar. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this, Lamar always says everything. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. cool. Never, never, ever hyped, never excited. <laughs> I said, okay, it's cool. And that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. We went out to radio. Yeah. Trevor played it first. Yeah, yeah. Trevor, Trevor played it yeah. first. And talked about how he knew you and the history and yeah. blah, blah, blah. You got every TV show? Yeah, no, there was a lot of love. So <laughs> went to number two? Number two, Blue Cantrell kept it off. Uh, uh, you remember Breeze? Yeah, yeah, it was so close. Yeah, okay, and oh, it wasn't man. the number one. I was wrong, Fitz. Yeah. And that was a hit. And it gave me immense pleasure. And my mum called nah. me and told me, I told you so. <laughs> I told you I was I told right. You was right. <laughs> what was the second single? Was it a ballad? Uh, no, second single was 50-50. It was 50-50. Second single was 50-50. 50-50. you want to hear a story on that? Yeah, yeah, go on. So you go off to Trondheim. Yeah. And you do a bunch of songs. I'm on a yeah. golf course. Yeah. And they call me. Yeah. And I said, well, what about the songs? Yeah. Tour used to be an A&R guy. Very, very straightforward. Tour used to be an A&R? Yeah, in Warners, yeah. In, okay. in Norway. He was very straightforward. Very blunt like me. Yeah. What do you think? I said, I think three of them are rubbish. One yeah. of them are like. Yeah. Oh, let me guess, the one you like, the one where we sampled Jay the same song as Jay-Z. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. He said, you're so predictable. So what are you going to do with it? I said, I think it's a single. 
And he came off the phone. He was pissed at me because I only like one of four. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. for every 10 songs you write, wow. you might get one good one. I might get one. Yeah. yeah. He's annoyed at me. So I get off the phone. I was playing golf. I was thinking, it's a DMC golf day. I remember it clearly. I was thinking, chill out. So I speak to Tim later and he said, oh, Tor's annoyed at you. I said, why? He says, you were rude about the other songs. I said, no. Tim, Tim and Danny, Tim. Yeah, Tim and Danny, because yeah. they were managing them. I said, I wasn't rude. I just said, three aren't good enough. One's the tune. Listen, we're going to commit to the one tune. Cool. You were like, it's cool. Then Max and Daniel did the video. Yeah, Max and Daniel. Yeah, who are amazing, who yeah. I love. Yeah. They still uh, do videos. They still do videos, yeah. Okay. They do make films and stuff. They had a, they had a really successful film sense. as well. So then Joe calls them in with Mike O'Keefe, who did the video commissioning. And Joe said, something had happened in another video. She said, I want there to be a hand signal. That yeah, I remember follow. her saying that, that it needs to be the... But, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah, 50, yeah, 50. Yeah. And I don't yeah. remember who did it, probably That was you. Joe. Yeah. And then on the day you did it. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing from the video. And then it was the basketball video. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. And then the next song was Unbelievable Ballad. What's the ballad? Uh, another Day. Another Day. No, what was the, there was another ballad. What was on, was the another? on the first album was another... What was first the first one. album? What was the ballad? Uh, another Day, I think. Another so what was the ballad on the second day. album? Second album, there was Justice followed yeah. by... There was a brilliant ballad. Um, what's after Justice? Justice is the moment. funniest one because Justice, Richard and I, Yeah. he still claims... Yeah. I didn't like justice. What he doesn't remember, yeah. Yeah. and Brian Rawling will be my witness to this yeah, yeah, yeah. day, Pete Vale's one recorded with, yeah. came to see me and said, you've believed in this song for so long. I tried to cut that song on another I level. I told you that. I played it to you the first time I ever met you. Yeah, 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 said, yeah, yeah. you should cut a song like this. You're like, yeah, yeah, let's do my own thing. Let's see what I do. Second album, you recorded it for Nick Angel for Bridget Jones or something. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what happened was, Nick sure. called up and said, the slot I have for Lamar... I've now filled with one side, Mary J. Yeah, yeah, and, then- and, and he said, I had a mail slot, a solo mail slot, and Robbie's filled it. So I called Richard. I said, you know, Justice, it ain't happening on the movie. He's like, good, no problem. We should put it out as our first single. I said, but have you spoken to Lamar? He said, no, no, you call Lamar. <laughs> so I called you and you went, nah, it's not coming out. So yeah. Richard called me up and says, it's not the first single. So you just told me it's the first single. He goes, <laughs> Lamar does not want it as a first single. Unless you can convince Lamar otherwise, it's find not. another first single. That's what I love about Richard. He's like, just so like, it's black straight and away. white. Like, exactly. like, if it's not, I'm telling you it's not the first single. I said, yeah, yeah, but you just told me it's the first single. That's your problem. <laughs> Deal with it. So I remember we, for months and months and months, we tried other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And everything we tried, we had some really good songs. Yeah. It wasn't quite as... Not as good as yeah, yeah, Justice. Sure, yeah, yeah. How was it for you, like, because Richard was a boss, isn't it? It was and previously Harry. my boss. Now, but Harry was never my I, boss. Harry, I, Harry ran RCA, right? Okay. And I was at Arista. So he was... He, oh, I, I never so he got, was A&R? So, no, he, no, he oh. ran RCA. Oh, he was, he was okay. He was okay. the okay. boss the, of RCA. president of... And I worked at the other company. Okay. So I sat in the same meetings as Harry. All right, all right. Harry all right, was all right, probably... Right. Well, he was more senior than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Richard was the big boss. But that I dynamic was, of yeah. him then going and then... It's a different type of relationship then. Oh, no, it was you really know, different. Management... And really you know, like it's uh and also but as Richard, manager they know the contracts inside they know like, the whole workings wait, 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 wait. Well, you of it had, so it's like you it's, had the uh, best management and by the way my mm. relationship with them through you you were the first yeah second was JLS, JLS yeah third was Ollie fourth Ollie, was yeah. five seconds summer five seconds summer yeah. never had You're a forgetting a, no no I think he wasn't with them I didn't what's do. that there's a band that you've five got. seconds of summer no no no, no, the other ones. JLS. No, there's a band that you got, but it's not through them. There's another okay. band. Yeah. Scout for Girls. Scout for Girls, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that wasn't through them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though they manage them now. 
afterwards. They, they managed, managed, to, scout they managed to scout for girls now. Hilarious. But no, no, since not when, after. I, yeah, after the. After, stuff, by yeah. the way, and they're really successful on the road now. Roy is a brilliant writer. He wrote all the hits yeah, on yeah, Scout yeah, for yeah. Girls. The funny thing is, and I'll say this and you can play it to him. Yeah. Richard was no longer my boss. Yeah. Richard will always be my yeah. boss. <laughs> it's the way he talks. <laughs> it's the way he talks to me. You know, like in a conversation, there's usually, there's a dynamic yeah. where someone has either got more weight. No, he always takes just, that position. I just give it to him. It's not even worth arguing. Do you know that your dog, he gets to park. Yeah, yeah And sometimes yeah. it rolls over for another dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're going to bark at me yeah. and I'm going to say, okay, okay I'm cool. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's, he's one of the best in the world. Yeah. I'm so pleased. Yeah. That was the first yeah. time. And by the way, you were his first successful management client. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, we, yeah. we, we talk about this a lot. Yeah, no, but yeah. you were. You were, and you had that period. Yeah. So then you, your transition from Sony then, I remember hearing you then going from Sony over. Mm. Well, it's like the little one. He's got big dogs. Yeah, little one. Nick's got like, the, I mean, uh, Nick's amazing house, and there's a dog that you never want to see. <laughs> it's a lovely dog, but never be on the wrong side of, no, of. Uh, Kane Corso. Of, of the, the Kane Jinx. Corso. Yeah. Do not. Do not ever. It's called an Italian bull mastiff. Is actually what the technical name for it is. Italian bull, huge, huge, yeah, yeah, huge yeah, puppy. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, when I heard that you're going to Universal, what was your decision in that? Like, was it a case of Joe um, drove it? Joe, hundred percent. Okay. Joe is being really influential in every decision. Yeah. We were at Sony. We had Big Brothers. Yeah. Milo. Yeah. Charlotte. You. G4. And remember- Oh, you, yeah, G4. Yeah, yeah, you weren't having one or two, one album with you all. You all had multiple oh, yeah. platinum albums. Yeah, I did multiple, five. I did you, five. You, you had multiple double platinum albums. Yeah. I still think you are the only black British male yeah. to ever have three double platinum albums back to back. Oh, got to check on that record. I'll, I be, think I'll so. be singing it from the rooftops. I think so. <laughs> Uh, well, obviously Craig came along and sold more records than everyone in one yeah, album. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. incredible. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and he, was, yeah. he was like a couple of years before me. Anyway, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but never followed it up re respectfully. Nowhere near to the level. Um, and by the way, amazing artist, amazing human yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. Not in, in, he's a part of history as well. Yeah. Uh, then we had from there, let's remember next. Then we had The Priest that sold loads. The Priest, yeah. 1.8 yeah, million yeah. albums in six See, weeks. See, that's a very unique thing about A&R as well. It's not just about... You know, knowing this is my lane and that's it. It's that's where I think the marketing comes in. No, most 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 A and R people, yeah, are good at black artists, indie artists. No, this is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, most are. Yeah, but then it's like the palette is very broad with you. Us like, is very different. Yeah, it's like. Can Calvin's, I give you yeah. my favorite quote? Yeah, go on. Clive Davis. Yeah. Sat in front of me, with his desk behind, and on the wall was the first five or six were Deborah. Aretha, Whitney, Braxton, back to back. Yeah. And he says, young man, look behind me. And so where you're sitting, I'm looking behind the <laughs> I can wall. hear his voice when he's saying it. And he goes, what have these artists, what have they got, generally got in common? And I went, black, solo, let me stop you there. <laughs> They're all very, very good. Because you don't get one of these discs unless you're very, very good. <laughs> so his point was, yeah. you can't categorize artists by their genre, their skin color, any element, because once you get platinum discs, you're very good. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, you're in the class of very good. You're special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? 
And if you turn around and said the highest basketball scoring people of all time, he would say, "What? Look at them all." And you go, mm, "In one season, they're predominantly black African American males." He'd go, "Stop you halfway through. They're yeah. all the best all, yeah. in what they do." And that's how Clive thought. Clive worked with all those black artists. He worked with Puffy. He worked with uh, Simon Garfunkel. He was involved at one point with uh, Bruce Springsteen. He didn't sign him, but he was involved. My, my A&R heroes include people like Lincoln and Muff. I'd take Muff over Lincoln without being rude. Lincoln was brilliant as well. But Muff signed. He worked with The Clash. He didn't sign them. He worked with George Michael. He didn't sign him. Uh, he inherited him because he was signed through a label deal. He was as Wham!, he worked with, uh, he signed, um, well, oh, sorry, Sade was signed under his thing, right? Yeah. Terence Trent Darby was signed under his time. Terrence, man. Uh, he signed Bonnie Tyler himself. Uh, Bross was signed under him via a guy called Gordon Charlton. Uh, Deacon Blue. All these artists, and none of them fit one genre. Yeah. Except the genre that Clive Davis says. Yeah. They're, They're very good. Very, very good. <laughs> and, and have discs. Yeah. And so when I look back on that career at Sony, Aloe Black, oh, Aloe yeah. Black was the closest to you, yeah. but we only had one album because that's all that was left in the contract that we licensed. Yeah. We had G4, had three multi-platinum albums. The Priest had three multi-platinum albums. You had many multi-platinum albums. Who else was in there? And then we signed Paloma. Scouting yeah. for girls. Paloma's the only female that have had four double platinum albums. I think she's had three and we're going for the fourth at the minute. See if the fourth is still selling. Brilliant. Uh, she's had four, three double platinums and one platinum at the minute. She now plays arenas as well. We Brilliant. also published her as well. Ollie, JLS. So at that time, it's Sony. We destroyed it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were so successful. We had so many multi-platinum albums. And Joe said one day, but we don't sell any records in America. And we're not sending records around the world, really. We had the odd thing. You had big success in France. Yeah. Justice was a hit yeah. around a lot of Europe. The Priest was quite successful around the world, except in America. We'd had hits in Australia a lot. We had so a, at that point for you, it was really going global. How? What is my next frontier? You know, we we we've yeah. done this. We've shown we can do this. Yeah. How do we adjust our operation to make sure that we? Well, there's two get choices. The world in it. So, there's yeah. two choices. One was go up the corporate ladder. Your comment before, you get f more meetings, less artists. Yeah. Or the other trick was to go somewhere and tick the box of being global. So Joe said, I want to leave. But, so, yeah. What made you feel that that box couldn't be ticked where you were? At that moment in time, under the regime that existed then, not now, then, so yeah. I can only comment on then, I did not have the confidence. They would argue your records weren't as good as the ones you made at Universal. They may be correct. Okay. Yep. My argument would be, I don't know if my records were good because you never gave them a shot. The opportunity, yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in many ways then, and our people go through the same things that artists go 100%. through as in emotionally I yes. mean no, they're know? as close to an artist in a record yeah, company as an it artist. sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the other thing is I'll tell you a secret about our people which yeah. artists will laugh at yeah we're sat in my wonderful house we're sat here in my wonderful life amazing I heard, right but I wake up most days stressing about the fact that I haven't had a hit yeah 
new a new hit. That's another conversation I had. We were at your place. Oh, not Carlton, Hampstead. Yeah, in Hampstead, yeah, Hampstead. In, in, yeah. in Roslyn Hill. Two conversations I had with you there. Yeah. yeah. Two things you've said. Those two, they both stuck mm. with me. One, when you said, "Never blame anyone but yourself." Mm. It's probably been said to me in the past. I that particular day, mm. it sat with me and has sat with me since. Mm. Like, do you know, whatever you do in life. Don't blame anyone. Never. It's you. Yeah. So if someone's doing something to you, yeah. you're allowing them to. Yeah. If they're not doing it, you haven't demanded it yeah. from them. So yes. number one rule. Yeah. And then the other thing was, I remember talking to you once, and I don't know why it surprised me, but I remember speaking to you and then you're like, no, no, whenever you or anyone's going to release something, the day of release, my stomach is turning over. I'm like, I need this thing to be successful. And I was like, no, the dude really cares about the thing. Like, he really gives a damn like it really, you know that that really stuck with me that day as I well I don't know. and then when it's good midweek yeah i'm elated for five seconds yeah, yeah. and when it's a bad midweek i'm pissed off for five days yeah days days <laughs> that's like social media it's like you awful. can read all the good comments if you read one bad comment you're like ah, why did they not like it yeah no, yeah. yeah it's awful i'm not yeah. on social media as yeah. a result of that i can't yeah. look at social yeah. media but it shows that the record label, well, depend, I guess everyone's A&R experience is different. But I've always said, you know, like, I feel I've had an A&R person, mm, where yeah. you're concerned anyway, where you really give a shit. And well, you know the difference. Joe yeah, and I yeah. signed two artists maximum a year. Yeah. So if you fuck up, and that means us, we, not yeah. you, yeah, we, yeah. it shows a lot more than yeah. when you got 40 artists. Yeah, Lamar didn't work, but this one worked, that yeah. one didn't work. Yeah. If you think about it, we signed, I worked out, album deals something like 40 and we had 13 multi-platinums 13 artists individually and then of those artists we've had 40 something platinum and multi-platinum and the brilliant. last 12 albums we released all sold million or more that's brilliant and by the way we make second third fourth and fifth albums with artists you know because we've had arguments over the years yeah, yeah, yeah. I care as much about the first single on the third oh, album as I did on the first album. Definitely, yeah. Whereas yeah. other people are like, they just listen to the artists. Oh, they're successful. They're playing arenas. They know what they're talking about. I'm like, no. Yeah, no, 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 you. We got, we're fighting. <laughs> I'm fighting you because you know, 100%, if that goes wrong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pissed. It's easier that way yeah. because then there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no, oh, you know, guessing or... Yeah. So when you go back into the studio, you can get closer to wherever the mark should be, you yeah. know? Whereas if you dilly-dally and pick your words and da 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 Do you want to know the, the worst meeting like that? I've got to tell yeah. you this, and yeah. Paloma Faith will tell you it's true. Yeah. I do a meeting with Paloma Faith with Joe. Joe signed Paloma, not me. Yeah. By the way, I completely supported it. And we're at 10, 12, 18 months. We're a long way in the process. Every song that's coming in isn't good enough. There's okay. no first single. There's loads of album tracks, no yeah. first single. Joe's, you know, your, Joe, your is brutal. Joe is brutal. But on this occasion, she knew that I had a downer on P because it just wasn't working. Okay. Get, like you, the first song you wrote was your yeah. first hit. Yeah. P, she's 10 months in, she hasn't written a hit. And we're in this meeting and she's writing every day. She's a grafter. No one works harder than her. And I'm in the boardroom at the old Sony and I'm bouncing my head off the table like this because every song she's playing is getting worse. Oh no. And she's passing the lyrics around and she's explaining what each song's about. And each time I'm like, but it's rubbish. It's not good enough, yeah. yeah. And I, at one point I look at it, I go, P, just, you're not getting it. It's just not good enough. The chorus ain't good enough. The melody in the verse doesn't catch me. The first line isn't good enough. I'm giving her the most brutal criticism. And she's it's not stopping her. And then suddenly her manager, Jamie, who I've known for years, Jamie Bins, yeah. goes, P, everyone calls her P, P, 
did you play Nick? New York. Joe goes, and remember, Joe's doing the A&R day to day. New York, what's New York? Oh, that woman who did Mika, I wrote a song with her in the hotel. Oh, yeah, and you just met her. You didn't actually do a song. She said, no, no, I did it in the hotel room. The day I met her, we went up to the hotel room. I told her about my boyfriend leaving to go to New York. And I wrote a song about <laughs> how I thought my boyfriend was going to cheat in New York. Oh, man. But, but I didn't know who the girl he was going to cheat with. I just thought he was cheating with New York, the city. So she went, you wrote a song with Jodie Marr. No, you did a meeting with Jodie Marr. She said, no, I wrote, I wrote a song. I wrote a song. Didn't I not give it to you? <laughs> So Joe went, no. So she pulls out of her handbag the most scratched CD that hadn't been in a sleeve. Yeah. So I had oh, to I wipe it on my T-shirt for yeah. like ages yeah. to try and get all the scratches out. While thinking, oh God, I've got to listen to another one. One more song and I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I'm, by the way, I can't, I'm trying now to, to actually pick my words because I've been so yeah, horrible. Yeah, and also you're quite frustrated now because you just want to hear something that's yeah. on the mark so you can run with it. And I put it in this machine and New York comes on. And I'm looking at everyone. Like, Look up. <laughs> I'm happy. This song's good. So we get to the end of the song and Pete goes, yeah, so what do you think of that? <laughs> like, she's, like she's with her Cockney accent. Yeah. And I go, it's amazing. She goes, really? <laughs> like, it's fucking amazing. And Joe goes, Oh my God. Yeah. Finally, we've got Jamie one. Jamie goes, why didn't you play it to Pete? And she goes, must have forgotten. <laughs> right? So Sometimes as artists, we don't weeks. always know. She had we it just, for weeks. We just write <laughs> it for weeks, maybe months in her, in her bag. Wow. We were like, oh my God, wow. P. That's, that's crazy. That's it. So it ended up being her second single, yeah? Brilliant. And it helped break her. But the madness on that whole conversation was, when you say brutal, I remember that day, I was like, I'm not sure I can do another meeting with this girl. Just going, no, 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 not good Because it was so bad. bad. And by the end, I was giving her hugs and went, so New York's going to be a song. It, She's yeah. going, amazing. amazing. <laughs> you love it. Yeah, I was like, I love it. And then she wrote within a week of that Stone Cold Sober, which was her first single. That's the biggest song. Yeah, great record. At that moment, she got the confidence and I never learned something that yeah. day. If you destroy someone's confidence. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. But when the minute I told her New York was good, she went it's to on. the next session and wrote a hit. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's like, I'm good. That is a big thing. I think, actually, you told me this about when you first moved to Universal. Yeah. When the confidence is running high, you can, any anything. song, any note, anything. When the confidence goes, it's really easy to miss, the, just miss your, miss your path, just forget so I listen, a lot of stuff. I so, listened yeah. to something I want to share with you the other yeah. day. Amazing, amazing conversation. There's a guy called MJ Cole, who I love. You know, Matt yeah. Cole. And he did Sincere and he did a load of songs. He's yeah. brilliant. Lovely, brilliant musician, lovely man. He's been inter interviewed by uh, another NR guy, Eddie Temple Morris from XFM on uh, a podcast called Trailblazers. And on that podcast, he's, they said, Nile Rogers said the same. Nile Rogers is the legend of all yeah, legends. Yeah. And he said, what he's learned is over the years that as a, as a creative person, and this is true of NR people, true of artists, true of everyone, some days it's about just turning up and going to the studio, turning up, going to work, listening to all the demos, hearing everything. And for six months, eight months, 12 months, nothing will go right. Yeah. But if you stop going, you've got zero chance, right? And Wayne Gretzky, the most famous ice hockey player of all time says, if you don't shoot, you can't score. Right? True. You can so, shoot and miss, but you've yeah, got to shoot. You've got to shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you don't shoot, you never score. You won't never score. So the madness was that I found out from MJ Cole was he goes to the studio some days knowing. It's not going to work. Not going to work. 
But somehow, someone in that studio that day will say one thing, and he's like, "Let's go, let's go." That's yeah, it. That's yeah. the thing. And it, and he says, "But if you don't go in the studio, you're never going to write another." No hit. chance. No chance. Yeah. So for me, I learned which what an artist thinks because I always want to know what an artist thinks. Because remember, I, I'm the coach. Yeah. I'm not the player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think to myself, they're right because as an A and R person, there's some days I'm like, I've got no hits to bring out. I know I've got no hits. I listen to all my demos and I'm like. I'm looking at my eyes and thinking, none of these songs are good enough. Yeah. Then I go to the office and all of a sudden we hear one and then you hear two. It's never one. Never yeah. It's like buses. No. You'll have two, three, four. Yeah. You yeah. Know. And, like, and then we hit that run of Sony. And then we get to Universal. Joe and I didn't have a hit for 18 months. But we signed Sam and we signed Five Seconds Summer. But we didn't know they were going to be as big as well, they were going to be. Massive. <laughs> Both humongous. Biggest yeah. acts of our career. I get sick. I get really sick. And I have a virus. COVID. But, no, I'm joking. No, 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 no. I've had COVID as well, but that, this is a long time before COVID came and it attacked my thyroid and I got really sick and I went to see the endocologist, which is what they refer you to when you have a, uh, th a thyroid problem. And we talked through my life and the stress of starting a new business from scratch and the success that we had at Sony and now now having no success. Yeah. We had no hits for 18 months. Ooh, the wilderness. I'm in the wilderness. And he said, you had a nervous breakdown. I said, what do you mean? I said, God, I got hyperthyroidism caused by a virus. And he said, the reason you got it was your immune system was under yeah. stress. It wasn't operating correctly. So you got a virus that normally you would get rid of. Get quickly, rid of but because you didn't get rid of it, it attacked your thyroid. And now you got hyperthyroidism, so which by the way, took 18 months to recover. Oh God. In that 18 months, if you imagine you were sick for 18 months and then after, after six weeks at home, six months going into the office, but not doing any exercise. Then I got sort of a bit overexcited and I do some exercise because I felt good and then be in bed for two days. Oh my days. And I couldn't get together. I signed Sam in 2012 with Joe. Joe pushed it through. The only one was playing as a demo. Jimmy sent the original demo. He did a stupid song structure, which I called him and said, put it to a normal song structure. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm trying to be, and I said, no. Don't be clever, do what everyone said, does, come on. I said, you, and then, they, then the new version arrived. As I listened to it, I start crying, properly crying, like lost my shit crying. And I'm walking through the heath and I called Sam and I'm choking back tears. Oh man. I said, that's a life-changing song. He said, you really think that? I said, yeah, I do. I genuinely do. And I called Jones, have you listened to it? No. And I was crying. So you've got to listen to it now. And I called Jimmy and I said, you've written a future classic. Brilliant. And that moment of hearing that song gave me the energy that I hadn't had for months. To get on and do To get on it. We already, had, we already had Stay With Me. Okay. We knew we had a good song there. Then we had I'm Not The Only One. We already had Lay Me Down from the very beginning. Stay With Me, we got very pretty quickly, actually, not that far into the process. And I had these three songs. And I suddenly was like, this, this is going to sell a million albums. That's all I thought. Not 20 <laughs> not, million. Not 20, exactly. Uh, this is going to sell a million albums. And I was like, oh my God. Two things that taught me. One, the power of music. Two, the power of a hit. Yeah. Not even knowing it's a hit. Yeah. But because like, it hadn't been out yet, but believing it was a hit belief then joe made a crucial decision which is he was going to turn down doing la 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 he wrote la 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 and oh. naughty boy wanted to release it his management was like uh, we're not going to release this no 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 and joe's like just release it 
that went well. <laughs> and then that becomes a mega hit. And then everyone's waiting for Sam's new material. From that moment on, the label went from being a joke that was going to be shut down. Yeah. To having the following year, 2014, number one with Five Seconds Summer, not with Sam with the album. Sam album went to number two. And those two albums at this moment, as we sit here today, one has sold... 18 and a half that first album yeah 18 and a half, half million, million. Yeah. we'll do 20 in its sleep 25 at sure. least in its lifetime minimum and the other one was five cents summer it's going to go through five their lifetime albums with us the three albums we did with them or three and a half albums we did, and we did a live album is around 10 something million brilliant they both went on to become massive in america five cents summer the only band in history to have their first three albums go to number one and they beat the Carters, which is Jay-Z and Beyonce, the last album. Uh, Jay-Z comes back Look up in my life. Full circle again. And I'm going to say one thing to you before yeah. we wrap up. Yeah, I yeah. need to say it to you. I've said it to Joe. I've said it to Sam's management. I've said it to Sam. If we had not done Lamar, we would not have done JLS and Ollie and P. And then Sam would never be what Sam is because the reason we knew what to do with Sam was yeah. because we dealt with a world-class singer, you. Thank you, Sam. Right? And by the time we got a world-class singer the second time round, we knew what to what do. To execute, yeah. And our skill set had gone from good with you. Yeah. We were still practicing with you. To pretty awesome. <laughs> so we were now at the top of our game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam arrived... Yeah. At the right moment. Right time with the right people. With the right people. Right spot. And, Correct. And we knew because we'd been through that process. We learned from Fitz. I yeah, always yeah, said, Fitz, imagine man. Sam with Fitz. Oh man, Fitz. Would have been ridiculous. Squatter, what a they man, would they yeah. would they would have killed yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you killed it with yeah, Sam. Yeah. With, with Fitz, but Sam sorry, got his uh, Sam got his Jimmy. I got Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Sam got his Jimmy. Yeah. And by the way, Jimmy's I think one of the greatest writers of all time. Yeah, and yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But I learned songwriting and production yeah. through Fitzgerald Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I learned that making records with you. Yeah. Right? And then by the time we get to make Sam, all those skills I learned making 50-50, yeah. dance, dance yeah. another day, justice, all this. Not that easy. Yeah, not that easy. I mean, I'm just, yeah. if I turn those songs on now, I'm proud yeah, of yeah. every one of them. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And that is the foundations of the career that Joe and I have had and both Joe and I know that. And the funniest thing is some people have their big success right at the beginning of the career and they got it by accident. Ours was never by accident. I felt yeah. every hit going back to our point earlier was a grind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A grind, a back and, and forth, yeah, back and a, forth a yeah. thoughtful, a, you know, thought a process. thought out process. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that I learned from Muff Winwood, which you came into is sign a star. You had no material when we signed you. Yeah. Sam had one song, Lay Me Down. He yeah. didn't release Latch, but had Lay Me Down. Sign a star because you can always help an artist with material, but you can't help them become a star. They've even uh, got yeah. it. <laughs> that's and you had, you, had, you had the that green eyes, you had the green one. eyes, you had the presence, you had that soulful voice that sounded like it was a throwback. Yeah, yeah. And you can't make, we can't make that bit. Yeah. What we can do is yeah. 
Make a great song, song know a great, a great song, song and yeah. execute how to yeah. get that to the but, people. But the bit song. I learned from Muff Winwood was just sign talent. The song bit, you actually, he said to me, you're really good at that. Yeah. I, and when he said that, going back to your point, confidence. Confidence. I was yeah. like, bro, I'm good at that. He's going like, to find myself a star and I'm going to make, do it again. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's what it is. So every yeah. one of those people, and then sometimes, lastly, scouting for girls, he turns yeah. up with all the hits on the demo. Brilliant. You're like, <laughs> even wow. easier, perfect. And he walks in the room and you fall in love with the yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. And but like the, the three of them are lovely, but Roy is the lead singer and yeah. Joe is like, every woman is going to fall in You're love with <laughs> And that's what it is. Brilliant. Right. You know what, Nick? Yeah. Thank you so much. We've spoken for ages and maybe we'll do it again sometime. But Definitely. Cool. Thank you. Anytime right. you want. Cool. Cheers. Right. Thanks. I'm going to shake your hand. Yeah. No one can see that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. We spoke for a very long time. I tried to give you guys just the juicy bits. Hope you learned some stuff there. Life lessons about surrounding yourself with the right people the right crew and seizing the moment i think for me anyway listening to nick's story nick's journey apart from the history made the early days was all about seizing opportunity and keeping his eyes open to other opportunities that were there must do another one with him you heard him mention a few other people in there i'm going to talk to a few of the names he mentioned in upcoming episodes thanks again for listening today if you like today's show please do subscribe and if you can take a moment to rate this podcast on itunes it really does make a huge huge difference uh, i appreciate you and your time if you've got questions or suggestions for the show or for me myself feel free to email me it's lamar at the lamar show.com that's lamar l-e-m-a-r at the lamar show if you're an artist or a musician you've got some great music or you just need some advice feel free to email me all right i'll catch you next week my good friends 